Will your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, January 26th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. The Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air. Oh. Okay, gotta go blog talk. They bounced me off my connection at the second the show started. Uh, so, congratulations, folks. So, here we go again, one more time. <laughs> so, you're listening to Three Scenes Inside the Gold Mine, where such a bad the whole thing's wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Tonight, anime and hentai. Big Papa Online Network. Second season of Weird Things Inside the Gold Mine, your essential guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Drop in for a spell and join me, Doc Savage, and my co host, who's <laughs> amused as, as I am, uh, Louis Paul, as we discuss the beloved, the hated, the weird, and the wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. Tonight, we're talking anime and hentai, birthing in the early 1960s with such works as Astro Boy and Gigantor. The art of Japanese animation arrived on domestic shores not long after. Essentially something of an accepted oddity, things would change radically as we moved into the 1970s and such widely beloved cult series as Yamato, otherwise known as Star Blazers, Gachamon, otherwise known as Battle of the Planets, and Macross, otherwise known as Robotech, even in their somewhat boulderized and sanitized variants aired stateside, blew the minds of kids accustomed to Hanna-Barbera, Filmation, and Warner Brothers-style fluff with their comparative realism and mature themes, inclusive of such heady matters as interracial relationships, real-world-style romances, character deaths, and more. 
becoming a genuine underground cult craze among the youth of the 90s. Such late 70s and 80s era space operas as Mospita, Megazone 23, Dirty Pair, Bogum Crisis were joined by the syndicated television likes of Rumiko Takahashi with Orsei Yatsura and Rama One Half, Akira Toriyama from Dragon Ball, Voltron and Naoko Takeuchi of Sailor Moon, opening the floodgates for a proliferation of anime-related magazines, late night and Saturday morning dedicated blocks on networks like TBS, TNT, the Sci-Fi Channel, and even entire stores oriented entirely towards the sale of anime and anime-related materials, like the late-lamented anime Crash right here in New York City. With the dawn of meta-series such as Neon Genesis Evangelion, the harem anime starting with Tenchi Moyo, and crossovers to the tabletop and video game RPG like Slayers and Dragon Half, anime went from comparative obscurity and often isolated small-scale fan bases to a global phenomenon almost overnight. So join us tonight as we talk the days of actual hand-drawn, boundary-pushing animation, when there were nigh adversarial relations between original language subtitle fans and the dubbing-only crowd, and the more adult-oriented hentai subgenre was more or less kept under a shelf, where fans were gathered together based on a then merely dawning appreciation of what was or remains many steps above the standard domestic toddler-oriented cartoon. So, uh, I'm Doc Savage, and like I said, uh, our technical glitch is the show starts up, I play the opening music, and it says, oh, you're not connected. And I saw you come up. I'm like, wait a minute, he's not here. I'm not. What happened here? <laughs> yeah, actually, I thought I was going to go solo tonight because I was like, oh, you're not here. Well, I better uh, – I had like six seconds of silence, and I said, well, I better say something. And I was just about to think, okay, I'm going to have to do the show until you pop up, until you uh, <laughs> popped up. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I was there beforehand, like you know, ten, fifteen minutes before, like they let you do, and then they said, "Hey, you know what? You're here. It's time to drop the app when the show starts." So anyway, that's uh, the fun of hosting a podcast on Blog Talk. Uh, we we actually have uh, some friends on one of the other shows. There are frequent callers and um, friends of my co-host over there, and they were running their own podcast for a couple of years, and apparently all the problems with <laughs> the Blog Talk host uh, had actually chased away some sponsors, and then they just said, "You know what?" Screw it. We're, we're, got, we're not going to do this anymore. So they gave up their podcast. So it's it's an award-winning wow. service we pay for. Uh, anyway, so uh, that aside, we're here to talk anime. Uh, so I guess the easiest way to kick this off, since it's such a broad-based thing, we are limiting ourselves to what the anime that I care about, and I'm sure you do, which is more of the, quote, classic uh, end of things, you know, up and, up and through the 90s, uh, before things really turned to... Um, more of a uh, mainstream thing, and a lot of fan service and a lot of repeating, and things aren't really hand-drawn anymore. There's a lot of computer animation, and it just it lost all its soul. Um, but we'll get to that as we go on. Uh, so what was your introduction to anime in the first place? Because I've got some stories on my own. So, Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's a big one. Um, well, I mean, I, I, well, first of all, uh, anime is, you know, uh, the word refers to all animation uh, basically coming out of Japan, but I think that was back in the day. Now anime is referred to you know, coming from other countries. Um, my first exposure, being young, girl, uh, <laughs> Eight Man and Gigantor. Uh, oh, wow. So you're going way back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, Eight Man and Gigantor. Uh, Gigantor was fun. It was, it was charming. I mean, it, it was something I'm sure is going to come up tonight is uh, the, the ca- insanely catchy 
jingoistic uh, rah rah uh, <laughs> uh, uh, theme songs they have these things. Even if there's no words, like you know, you just like, oh, I know that show. You know, it's yep. uh, so Eight Man, uh, Gigantor. It's about the time I'm watching Johnny Quest, you know, this kind of right. stuff. But, yeah, I, I actually liked Eight Man better because it was less jokey. You know, there was Johnny Sacco uh, and all this stuff. Um, Johnny Sacco was unbelievable because that, that was a live-action one for those who haven't seen it. And yeah. this kid, he's like a five-year-old kid, and they made him like a spy because he could control this alien. Or maybe it wasn't alien. It was a giant robot that they had built to fight off aliens. And he, they actually gave him a gun. So this like five-year-old kid's running around with a freaking pistol. I'm like, okay. It's it's an amazing, hilarious um, – Not I always think in terms of Super Sentai, but it's, it was way before that. It's more like a, a giant uh, Daikaiju mecha sort of a thing. Uh, right, so yeah, anybody that's I, in these Arab shows should check it out. Yeah, and even though it's not animation, it's very close. Like, it could as well have been. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I got into that stuff, and then, of course, I drifted away, and um, – it was a long time, um, decades even, <laughs> and uh, a, a guy who became a very good friend, and he disappeared off the face of the earth, as, as some friends tend to do. Yes. Uh, named him Daryl, not Norman Reedus. <laughs> um, uh, this guy named Daryl, really cool guy, uh, he was a fanatic. And he knew everything going back, going forward about animation. And he kind of, uh, we, we traded stuff because he was interested in, but he had no idea how to get a hold of Euro stuff and old uh, nudie cuties like the stuff we covered on that show a couple of weeks back. Right. And uh, so of course, at that time, I had a huge collection of stuff. So I was like, I was like what do you got? He's like, I got everything. So he just uh, just turned me on to so much Japanese anime. And um, within that bunch of stuff, I mean, like, we're, we're talking like 15 tapes every week, wow. you know, episodes, feature films. And also I'm like, what's this wandering kid thing? You would see Goji? And I'm like, what is this? Let me put this on. I'm like, ah! <laughs> uh, if I wasn't already sleazy at that point, it really did job of it. That's it. The Maven of Sleaze from Tentacle Porn. <laughs> yeah, there yes. But, you know, I, I love, I love Akira. Um, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of Akira. I liked Lensman. Um, and I found the, the feature film for Lensman, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're going to go into much more depth on your stuff, uh, but uh, I really I, I enjoyed the feature film of Lensman more than the the series. You know, there was a series too, and uh, um, we're going to a dirty pier. You know, um, Battle of the Planets, Gatchaman, uh, Spaceship Yamato, Star Blazers, uh, Macross, Robotech, I see all this stuff. Um, I saw the Dragon Balls, and I was like, oh, and Dragon Ball Z, and there were so <laughs> many of those damn things. And I couldn't really, uh, uh, you know, sometimes things just don't work for people, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I met people like 
all anime is sacred. You know, it's it's <laughs> like you know well, what I'm talking about. I'm sure you're, like in that, your circle, you you're going to be screaming kiss the pants tonight. That's for sure because it is not uh, all sacred. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, but you know uh, what so, I'm saying. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I'm, when mm-hmm. at what point did you decide you were hooked on this stuff? I would say, uh, let's see, let me try to dig down. Oh, yeah, there was a period. Uh, I would say uh, when I got back into it again, I would say we had to be like maybe 85, 86. Okay. And that lasted until about uh, 2000. And um, where I did a huge amount of catch-up. Because even though I didn't really like something, I had to see it. Like, I got to the point where, you know, like all those Euro stuff we've been covering. And, you know, we only are touching all those shows we've done. We've only touched upon some of the things I've seen. I mean, oh, I've yeah. seen, I think, I, you know, I'm not putting up a flag, but I think I've seen nearly everything. So, you <laughs> know, I, I got to the point where I was like, well, I want to see more, more, more. And there's also a huge variety in the styles of animation, depending on the the house, you know, the production company it's coming from. Um, You would see something, I really like this. And then you would see something else from some other place and realize, oh, it's it's on the, you know, it's akin to, uh, what, Super Friends, you know, really just, you know, what's what's worse? Clutch Cargo, you know, when the mouth is moving? (laughs) That American show with where where just like they they move mounts, yep. And uh, so uh, I I then got into because I'm me. Uh, I ah, I got into him. <laughs> it's a squeaky door. It's driving okay. me nuts. Uh, <laughs> I then get, I then got into hentai, which is. Right. Uh, uh, well, not into hentai where, you know, but I was very curious <laughs> what what they're doing with that. And, you know, in terms of science fiction, horror, romance, uh, drama, it's, I mean, it's a label. Um, there's a really poor animation things going on. And there's some oh, very yeah. interesting, uh, like the Bible Black series, there's some really interesting uh, animation studios going on in there. Um so, but then again, you know, with that stuff, not everything, you know, as far as I'm concerned, was really good. There's a lot of bad stuff, a lot of bad animation, and some of that stuff goes places we'll probably discuss later. Yeah. So that's what I'm about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's funny. <laughs> so my story is a little bit uh, stranger because uh, it started in later, obviously. Um what my first exposure that I cared about uh, would probably that I didn't care about would be Battle of the Planets. I saw it and I was like, okay, this is halfway interesting. I could not stand what turned out to be all the Sandy Frank introductions, like Seven Zark Seven and the I forget the creepy little guy and they're making burr, 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 burr. Oh, God, my, what oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. drove me nuts. I hated that. But then when I later on, many years later, saw the Gotchaman stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, now this is much better. <laughs> so now I get right. it. But uh, I didn't give a shit. I was just like, eh, something I watched when I came home from school or wherever it was in like grammar school. And 
but what hooked me was Star Blazers, uh, which was you know they're somewhat somewhat boulderized, but they didn't touch it too much, surprisingly, uh, of uh, Space Battleship uh, Yamato, which again you were talking about jingoistic themes, uh, not just in terms of the theme song itself, but we're talking about the Yamato, which was one of my um, great uncle was involved in the uh, the Frogman back in World War Two. And he talked about how hilarious it was, you know, fighting on the Japanese front because he was like, yeah, you know, you'd see these freaking guys coming from miles away because they, you know, had this thing about it was like a Don Trump thing, like I got to show you how big my penis is. The, the ships were enormous, and it would make them so that they were like, you know, twice the size of the Titanic. Uh, all the battleships that came in from the, the Japanese, so they knew when they were coming, like you know, whatever, I don't know how far out in the horizon. There was no stealth whatsoever. So of course, you know, they dealt with them accordingly. Uh, and the Yamato was one of their you know, proudest battleships back in World War II, and of course they got sunk. And they used this as you know the model. It's supposed to be like a, a Japanese pride sort of thing, just like when you see like the Confederate flag. It was like, oh, it's a racist thing. No, 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 it's a Southern pride thing. You know, it has nothing to do with whatever. Same thing here. Uh, this was kind of like, okay, well, this is what's the emblem of Japan? Or, oh, okay, well, how about the Yamato? You can take it a couple of ways because of the whole business with the Emperor and World War II and Tojo and all that shit. But, you know, the bottom line is I choose to see it as neutral. Like, okay, well, they're proud to be Japanese. This is their sign of, okay, well, the world's getting destroyed and we're going to rise up and, you know, basically save the world. And here's our emblem. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to, as a symbolic gesture, we're going to raise the Yamato, which is like our proudest, whatever, proudest moment, proudest battleship. And uh, make it into a space cruiser and basically save the Earth. And the shock that I had at the age that I was when this first aired on uh, syndicated television, I can't even tell you. I mean, I literally ran home from school. Everybody says that. I never did that. I did it for Star Blazers. Uh, and I would be so upset if I had missed a couple of minutes worth of it. Uh, it was because it was on at an awkward time. It was like right, like you know, you got let out at a certain time from school, and you know, if you ran like hell, you would catch the beginning, and if not, you would be like you know, ten, fifteen minutes in. Uh, and it's only a half an hour show, and the stuff that was going on there. I mean, like I said, you you get attached to these characters. It wasn't like the usual U.S. cartoon where it's all goofy and safe, and you know, every episode wrapped everything up neatly and then starts all over again, like nothing ever happened. This was a serial storyline, sort of like Scooby Doo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the serial storyline of Scooby Doo, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the adult version, um, but. You know, you had things going on like there was a character there, the captain that was running the thing, and uh, he ended up leaving it to, of course, the guy who's kind of like the delinquent. He only joined because he wanted to find out what happened to his brother who was in the military, and he was really resentful and insubordinate and whatever, the whole deal. But it ends up this captain sort of becomes a father figure to him despite everything, and then he dies. <laughs> During the second one, like, big battle, and that's it. He kicks the bucket, and it's like... You're watching this, especially at the age that I was. I'm like, what the? Holy shit. What? No, wait, they didn't say he's dead. And sure enough, he's dead. I'm like, uh. And they've got this whole thing going on where he gets, again, somebody he rubs abrasively. Sort of older woman, actually, but, you know, a love interest that he gets this, this gorgeous woman who, in our case, was Nova something or other. But over there, I forget, she had a, obviously a different name. Um, it was just mind-boggling. I'm like, wow, this is the greatest freaking show ever. And of course, I had seen it from the beginning, or more or less from the beginning. So I watched the original arc, which was the best. And I watched the whole Common Empire arc, which was really damn good. 
And that was it. Uh, there was another one that they did, and I understand that they redubbed it years later. I'd seen part of it on DVD, and I'm like, wow, this is horrible. I don't know. It was like a joke, the way they redubbed it. Uh, but those first two serials, those first two seasons worth, and it went on for a while. It's not like a short season. No, uh, no. It yeah. were mind-boggling. And then there was nothing else like it for years. And I'm like, wow, that was an interesting one-off. I didn't know it was from Japan. I was just like, okay. Why was there one really great show and then nothing since? It was like when Kolchak and Night Stalker went off there. I'm like, okay, well, let's go fill a bill. Nothing. Um, so finally, we're talking what seemed like forever, like, especially to a young uh, person. Uh, back in like 1985, they, Harmony Gold brought over uh, what they called Robotech, which was a mishmash of series. Once again, they basically left um, uh, Macross Untouched, which was the important arc. Uh, very similar story in some ways to uh, Star Blazers, which already hooked me, but there were differences. There was this nonsense about pop music saving the earth. I could not stand Min May. Uh, <laughs> and once again, he gets involved with the hot girl who works on the ship that's all kind of lonely or whatever. And they got the. There's a guy in there that's a drunk, and you could tell that he was boozing it up. Uh, who was the doctor, actually, which is even better. So this guy's going to operate on you. He's South Star's mind. Um. There was an interracial romance. I mean, the, my favorite character actually was Roy Fokker, and um, actually I have a Roy Fokker T-shirt even I wear a lot. And you know, he was like the cool one. He was the manly one, and he fucking dies like right off the bat. You know, it's again like the hero figure that in you know the young guy, the hunter guy, whatever his real name was in uh, Japanese, I forget. Uh, the same thing, you know, he had learned to look up to this guy. Okay, he's, he's so cool, he's going to teach me. He takes, me, takes me under his wing, and then, poof, he's dead within a couple episodes. And in the meantime, he had been involved with a black girl. And I'm like, and we're talking about, like, you know, not like, okay, I'm going to do Foxy Brown, put on the fake hair wig, and all that bullshit. No, 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 this was like a black girl, you know, with, like, natural hair and shit. Uh, and I was like, okay. And you didn't see this stuff. I mean, you don't see it so much. I mean, you see it a little more nowadays, but... You certainly didn't see this in 1985. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? This show is incredible. <laughs> uh, and it actually not only met my memories of Star Blazers and Yamato, but it topped them. So I was like, wow, I was totally into this show. Uh, totally upset when the first arc ended. Then they threw in a couple other shows, part of which was Most Speeder, which is a fantastic show on its own. The way they chopped it up, eh, all right, whatever. And th there were some strange elements to that, too. Like, okay, there was this guy that was a, he was sort of androgynous, and he was doing music, but he was performing as a girl. And what the hell is going on here? Very, very, like, you know, outraged stuff, especially by American standards of the time. Oh yeah, and this uh, is the way we. This is why we're, we're the way we are nowadays. We really grew <laughs> up on these cartoons. Uh, exactly. So let me let me just interrupt you for a minute, though. What yeah. was your? I mean, because you were young, you probably weren't thinking of this, but weren't you curious? You're watching something that's made in Japan by Japanese artists, and yet everybody's uniquely Caucasian looking for the most yes. part. That's I mean, true, isn't that? Yeah, I, so when I saw Star Blazers, I didn't think of it much, if at all. I probably didn't, wasn't right, aware right. it was Japanese or didn't care. By the time I saw uh, Robotech, I knew it was from Japan. But you're right. There, there was that strange thing. like, why is nobody really Japanese here? But I figured, like it was, this is just the way that they saw 
uh, not even themselves, just kind of the way they want to portray their characters and their heroes. Maybe they they've got a, a complex, like you know, the Germans ever since World War II, they have this self hate on. Which you know, if you ever let's see German porn, you understand why they like. You know, they they really just are totally masochistic, and you know, okay, shit on me or whatever the hell, piss on me because I'm worthless and I've, I've got to bear all the shame, uh, which is ridiculous. But nonetheless, it's kind of like a national thing that they're bearing for years and years well, and years. Yeah. And it's funny because now, now uh, the feature films that are coming out of Japan, the feature animated films, which mm-hmm. are CGI for the most part nowadays, um, I've been seeing a lot of these things on Netflix. It's the same thing again. It's like yeah. uh, uh, what was a very popular one I just saw within the last two months, uh, real big budget production, and it's, you know, it's CGI, so it's not humans and it's not animation. It's like that weird. But they still made them look white, basically. Yeah, Caucasian. They still make everybody look Caucasian. Yeah. And the big round eyes. You know, with the round eyes. So they give everybody the big, wide, expressive eyes. And it's kind of a question that's baffled people for years, but I really do think it boils down to the same problem that the Germans are having, where they've got a level of, even though they might thump their chest and, you know, wari wari nihonjin this, you know, we're Japanese. That's why that explains everything. Uh, Nonetheless, there is an inferiority thing going on there where they just don't see themselves as uh, worthy to take a, a piece of prominence on the world stage. It's insane, but you know, psychologically, I think that's what's going on because there's really no other rationale for this. You know, why else would they always, always have the white figure or the Caucasian figure or the European figure in place of their own? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway. So that was my second exposure, and I was huge on that. Everybody knew back in you know when I was in a certain level of school there uh, that oh yeah you know he was the Robotech guy, and I had uh, I actually went to one convention, and they, it wasn't for that; it was just an all around you know comic sci fi whatever. And I had like Robotech notepad paper. Some friends were borrowing off. I still have some of it. Uh, you know that was my big thing, but again it went away. There was nothing for a long time, and I think it wasn't until. Sometime in the 90s. Oh, no, wait, not quite. Uh, it was in the 90s, though. Sailor Moon came over. My mother found that, actually, of all people in the world. Uh, and she was watching and said, oh, you got to see this. This is really cool. And I was like, really? It's a, and I knew it was like supposed to be some girl show. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I, I was like, really? But I sat down and watched it with her. I'm like, hmm, that was interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting. It was actually something going on there. And then it would kind of go from episode to episode, even though it was not quite at the same level of serial story. It wasn't quite at the same level of seriousness. It wasn't whatever. There was still something going on there. I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. I think I kind of like this. Uh, but again, it was just kind of a one-off, and it didn't mean anything, except when I got to the middle 90s, I guess, maybe around 95, uh, something happened. The anime started catching on with, I guess, more of like the young college crowd, uh, yeah. the equivalent of millennials at the time. You know, uh, they were definitely of a uh, young enough age that you know I wouldn't really have a connection with them. Uh, and yet I was like, you know, this stuff's crazy. And first it started off with finding like, oh look, I can now get you know my Robotech and I can now get my you know Yamato whatever on DVD or at the time it was VHS, which was already like, really, this is out? I can get this? I don't have to like wait for somebody twenty years and pray that they'll show on TV and they never will. Um, <laughs> and they started showing on you know TBS, I think it was, and then later, much later, we got the Cartoon Network, but that was like really like ninety seven, ninety eight. So we're talking a couple of years before that. 
TBS or TNT late night showed Vampire Hunter D, and I'm like, wow. It was TBS, I think. I think it was TBS. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is unfucking believable. And then they showed it again a couple months later, you know, same time, like whatever it was, one in the morning, 11.30 at night, whatever. And they might have showed another one, too. I'm not positive, but they may have showed, like, Jimin Series Shinjuku or something. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And that already had me hooked. Then they came out with when I once I finally got to the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, they did that Saturday morning thing where they were doing again dubbed, but they had things, anything from you know stuff that you would just totally forgettable like Rojan Z or whatever, to stuff like you know Dominion Tank Police to, and you liked Akira, I did not like Akira, I still don't like Akira, but uh, and never did <laughs> but you know that was constantly playing. Um, there was stuff there that was interesting. They played a lot of the Project Echo stuff. Again, I'm not right. a fan of that at all, but nonetheless, it was there all the time. Um, and all of a sudden, video stores started in the area because you know there's always video stores around. But you could go into your local video store, and there would be a very small anime section. You know, maybe five to ten tapes. And then if you were like me, and you just joined every freaking video store you could find, like scour all the mom poster horror movies and shit, like I did. Um, you know, and you go into the city, and you go in the suburbs, you go wherever the hell just to find this stuff, uh, and you know, run your own copies, and there you go, you're good. Uh, you know, I found that every place had different batches of anime, and I would just grab yeah. like voraciously from whatever store all of the anime they got bit by bit, uh, and I got into some really crazy shit, and I was like totally. By then, I was totally hardcore, and I'll tell you that locally. My friends, anybody that I knew, anybody I tried to talk to about it, thought I was out of my fucking mind. They're like, <laughs> you know, first of all, they thought I regressed to childhood. Secondly, they thought I was insane, and and then a couple of people thought I was some kind of weirdo pervert or something. Uh, <laughs> nobody, I'm talking about guys. Forget about girls. Girls would really think you're crazy because you know that was really uh, the most judgmental species out there is the woman. <laughs> you know, guys. Are, oh wait. No, seriously. Nowadays it's changed. They kind of like learn to accept the nerdiness, but there was a lot of you know, decades and you know, centuries yeah. where if you weren't the perfect, you know, upstanding, you know, toe the line. I love sports. You know, I want to be a cop when I grow up. You were like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, freak? Don't touch me!" <laughs> you know? but, uh, but but nowadays, nowadays girls like the nerdy guys, okay. and you know, it's totally it changed around. Yeah, it it's totally changed, changed around. But in the mid '90s, that was not the case. Uh, no. Still, so you know, basically, I was like, "Ah, fuck! I got to talk to somebody about this because otherwise, I'm just going to feel like a freak." And this is in the early days. <laughs> seriously, I was like, "Okay, I'm totally into this stuff, and I can't talk to anybody about it." It's like, you know, you, you know, like you're going to turn weird if that happens. Like, you know, I was like, yeah. "Freaks are just like, oh, I like dog fucking." Uh, like, so oh, you know, seriously, it's like, hey, man, it's it's bad, it's bad enough when I liked I. Was crazy about Dario Argento, and the only person that knew about this was like a guy in Texas who had a fanzine, or was like Craig Ledbetter back in the day, you know? Yep. I remember. And I'm like, so who who do I talk to? Mm-hmm. Like I just I just felt like I discovered like I'll God tell you or something. And, and here's the reason I specifically mentioned dog fucking because when I was in the city <laughs> one time, I'm in the village because you know, I was always in the city. It was, that was my big thing. Um. I was hanging around in East Village and shit. And one night, I'm walking down there by, you know, Tower Records and all that shit, and I'm going over Anime Crush, actually. 
And sure enough, here comes two brothers up from the other way, having a good old time. Like, yeah, you see that anime place? Like, yeah, that's all them like dirty cartoons. Like, you know, Shaggy like getting it with Scooby. Like, hoo, 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 Shaggy. And they're doing the motions, all this crap. And they were going off like ten minutes, walking up the street at the top of their lungs. And I'm just like, oh, man, <laughs> whatever. And of course, then I go on anime crash. Uh, so that's this was the perception out there. This is all this was. It was like either you're basically a retarded kid. That you're like, you know, you never grew up, or mm. you're some pervert that wants to see, you know, an animated figure screwing each other. Um, well, you so, know, and there was there was another place that was hardcore geek uh, place. It was called the Sci-Fi and Horror Emporium. Did you know that one? I didn't know that one. Where was that at? Yeah, that that was in the West Village. That was on, I think, Thompson Street. Really? About a, Street, yeah, huh? yeah. About a Generation block. Records and all that. Yes. Oh, I love Generation. I, I got so much good stuff there. Lot of, that was my god days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, this was a small hole-in-the-wall place, but it was, like, as far as width goes, but it was rather deep, and it was by a... Uh, it was opened up by a guy who wrote a book about what's in space back in the day, and um, it was just... It was, like, guys working there were all, like, super geeks. Like, forget about... What was it? What's the one? Um... Kim's, you know, nothing like Kim's, you know, yeah. it was much better. Kim's had its better. own, like, snotty attitudes, you know, but... <laughs> yeah. This place had an amazing anime section, too. But anyway, the point is that it really mm. was not a big thing. I mean, I imagine that if you were in college at that time, maybe there was, like, a small group, kind of like Genshiken, you know, if you look at that later. But basically, it was not mainstream at all. So I go in, and remember, this is like really early days of the internet. You got like AOL people are on, and you know, instant messaging was a brand new thing, and the whole deal. And I picked up a major anime magazine. There's only a couple of anime magazines at the time, and they had a letter section in the back. And somebody said, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm really into anime. Anybody wants to, you know, bullshit or whatever, you drop me a line." So I was that freaking like. I hate to say desperate, but it was like I, I need to have like some human being that loves this stuff as much as I do. That you know, basically, I can feel like I'm not a freak. And so I dropped them a letter, and I'm like, hey, okay, you know, what's up? You know, I'm into this, that, whatever, you know, whatever. And he writes me back, and actually sent me, I think, an email because we started doing email back and forth. He's like, yeah, you know, after a couple of times we were talking, he's like, I'm going to start up my own newsletter. Do you want to, you know, be part of it? You want to, you want to check it out? I'm like, yeah, sure. So he sends out this thing. He, I think he only made like one newsletter ever, maybe two. And then the first one, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm talking to this really cool girl up in, you know, up in Canada. Uh, anybody, and she's with the anime or whatever, and anybody wants to drop her a line, go ahead. And I saw the name, and it was kind of exotic. And I was like, hey, all right, you know, what's the deal? And the worst thing that happens, I'm talking to a girl that's into this shit, which is amazing anyway. Otherwise, you know, whatever, no, nothing eventually, nothing gained. So I did. I dropped her a line. And sure enough, we started talking, and then we started the messaging, and it turned into this big old thing. And eventually, uh, she's down here, and we're married for like you know sixteen, seventeen years now. Um, 
so you know, and this was and people. So that's oh, the story. That's the story. <laughs> and people used to go to us like, oh yeah, so that online you know internet dating stuff really works, huh? Because you know that was when they first started coming out, people doing the computer dating and all that crap, and you know whatever. And we we're like, oh yeah, yeah, but it had nothing to do with that. It was just this weird situation. And and anybody we told the story to was like, totally freaked out and amazed, like really, like yep, that's how we met. Uh, so uh, I actually got married because of anime and because it was not popular at the time. <laughs> uh, story. I, that's a title for a book, man. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, stuff that I was into at the time, we're going to get into shortly. But my biggest love remained. I mean, they always say, uh, you know, I can never stand her because she's kind of like a self aggrandizing, like, oh, ain't I so great? But Trish Ledoux, who did the um, stuff like Anne America, and she put out the first couple of anime books in the U.S. Uh, they were like catalogs, mm. more or less. Uh, so she was kind of invaluable at a certain period of uh, anime history in this country. Uh, she made some comment that I quote all the time, which is, you know, you dance with the one that brung you. And it's true because to this day, my go-to in anime, my favorite of favorites of all genres is still the space opera. You know, okay, so I went from Yamato, uh, you know, Sparrow Blazers and uh, Macross Robotech and uh, Bullspeedo and all that. To stuff like you mentioned before, Dirty Pair, one of my favorites ever. I'm a huge Dirty Pair fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Space Adventure Cobra, you know, Go Shogun the Time Etranger, um, you know, stuff like Venus Wars, even, uh, you know, later ones like Macross 2, Macross Plus, especially Macross Plus, that was a big thing for a while there. Um, you know, Wind Name Amnesia, I mean, it, all this kind of stuff. I even like Odin, which everybody says is like an endurance test, because I went back. The first time I saw it, I'm like, wow, this sucks. And I was embarrassed because I was a huge fan of Loudness, you know, the, the Japanese metal band. Uh, I used to go around back in the days when you had to hunt and go all across, like, states and stuff to go and find a store that had imports to get their uh, their music from Japan. Uh, and right. I did that. You know, I'd pick up, oh, okay, I'm going to drive for 48 minutes or whatever, to go find some jerk-off that I can buy a copy of, you know, whatever, Live Loud Alive or, you know, an Earthshaker album or some shit off. And I would do that. So here oh, are. I, I know what it's like. I I, I was into uh, I was into South American metal at some point, and uh, oh, you Brazilian uh, black and thrash. That's my favorite shit. You know the early stuff. You know, and, oh man. You know Baron Rojo. Baron Rojo. Oh, I've never man. heard that name. You gotta you gotta show yeah. it to me. I know. I was gonna tell you to say like Ratos de Parra or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh these guys were like you know. Oh. And I, I, I would that was like me with that stuff too. I was like, but then I, 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 yeah. No, I've always been obsessed with stuff like that. But I mean, the point is, here's loudness, and they they're in this Odin thing. Okay, well I gotta check this out. And I picked up a copy over at the Tower Records once back in the VHS days, and I'm like, wow, this movie's fucking boring. Uh, You know, and they did these two songs in it, and they aren't bad, but. You know, it was just like, ah, oh, whatever. But then years later, I went back to it on DVD, and I'm like, okay, you know what? It's slow as shit, but I like it. You know, and there's a lot of what you got to understand about anime, especially in that era, a lot of it was OVAs and movies. And what they did was they hired a bunch of animators, and some guy would sort of hastily draft together a, a half a plot. Okay, here's our characters. Here's sort of what they're going to do. Go for it. And somewhere along the way, they always run out of friggin' steam. It was a notorious thing. If you go back to anime magazines in the 90s or the early 2000s even, 
and you will see they're always complaining about, yeah, great anime. That ending sucked. Great anime. What the fuck were they thinking towards the end? Always the same thing. They run out of ideas. They run out of steam. They don't know how to kill it. So that's what I felt like happened with Odin. It was like, okay, they got some interesting concepts here. There's beautiful animation. The music's decent. And it doesn't really go anywhere. It just kind of stops dead but, in the middle. <laughs> so, for, so for the neophytes that are listening, what, what describe for everybody what an OVA is, because that that came that came a, that came up quite a lot when you would yes. buy tapes. Well, originally, the anime that we were seeing was TV series. Uh, you know, even stuff you were mentioning, like Lensman and Eight Man and all that stuff. Uh, you know, Gigantor. Those were all television series that were playing in Japan. They brought them over here. They dubbed them and they chopped out some of whatever they considered objectionable: nudity, sex, whatever. Even what they left in was like, oh my god! But you know, they tried to clean it up for the American crowd. All right, fine. What happened was they said at one point that, you know, this stuff is pretty big, at least in Japan. We can go and make a little bit more cash and say more stuff that we can't on television, you know, get, get past the censorship by, you know, making this a movie. So they had theatrical movies. Uh, and you could tell because the budgets are obviously astronomical. The art is fantastic. It like doubles and triples what you're seeing on the television screen. Um they aren't always good stories, but, you know, they're whatever. But then they have this in-between thing. So, okay, you know what? With the popularity of VHS, we can make these things called OVAs, uh, original video animation, and which meant that they were never shown on television, and mm-hmm. yet they weren't a theatrical release. So what were they? They were, like, basically straight-to-video, the equivalent of straight-to-video movies. Uh, the difference is when people say straight-to-video movies, they usually mean, ah, the movie's too bad, they didn't have enough budget, you know, they just kind of slipped it out under the radar, you know, whatever. It was a failure to, that didn't quite make it to the big screen. That wasn't the case here. This was, well, we got a decent budget. We can make something better than we can make on television. We could, you know, make it a little more you know, adult, a little more whatever, uh, go for darker themes, uh, do the animation better. And yet... You know, we have to sell it someplace, so there you go. It goes straight to VHS, it goes straight to LaserDisc, it goes straight to DVD. Uh, and this was a huge thing in the 90s. Uh, really not too much before that. There was a little bit, I think Dirty Pair was doing it in the very late 80s. Because again, the Dirty Pair was originally a series of science fiction books. I've actually read one or two of them. Uh, that turned into, uh, it turned into a TV series. And the TV series was not available in this country until very, very recently. I mean, we're talking about decades. People knew about it. And it was like a kind of holy grail, or you had to get it from you know a fan suburb or whatever the hell else. Well, well had, there was a reason. There was a reason for that, and 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 uh, that might be our our way to like segue into something, which is the dirty pair um, were healthy. Oh yeah. Uh, basically, you've got these two girls uh, that are the three WA. They're uh, the was it the worldwide uh, something trouble agents, and they're right. basically kind of cops slash spies that they send in to go and fix up problems on interplanetary whatever. Oh, excuse me, my, my wife just told me it's the Worldwide Welfare Association. Uh, I told you we got married because anime. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, they get sent out to do these jobs, that, you know, not necessarily diplomatic, but just fix up the mess. It's not kind of skirmish going on over there. It's almost like a black ops thing. Hey, go throw the Marines in and have them clean up ISIS or whatever. You know, get them out of this area. You know, let's go get the communists out of this uh, Granada. Let's throw our guys in quick and you know, whatever the hell it is, the Rangers, and get rid of them. 
so that's what they're supposed to be doing. The problem is that uh, the one is extremely vain. She's supposed to be like the girly girl one. And the other one, who I always got a kick out of, uh, is just a spitfire. She's like uh, a guy in disguise. You know, she's really a, a, a girl, obviously, and pulchritudinous at that. But she's like a tomboy, totally. And she likes big guns, <laughs> if you read into that. And she, it depends whether you're reading the original books or if you're seeing the animes, because in the books, she's the horny one that's always going after guys. Well, but in the, in books, the animes, you're talking about the manga, right? Yeah, the manga and the original books. But in the anime, okay. she's more of like, you know, just business. I just want to blow shit up. Uh, as much collateral damage as possible. And that's what happens. And no matter what they try to do, even if they're trying to rein it in, they end up okay. like, okay, well, we saved the uh, the planet, but we blew everybody up. Or, yeah, we, we saved your uh, whatever it was, this diamond for you, but an entire freaking city is like a, a crater now. Uh, always well, some kind of yeah. huge thing like that. And obviously it's played for comedy. And, you know, the boss is always pissed off. They've got this huge uh, dog-like cat creature, I guess, called yeah, Moogie. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and when they were in the plane, they were shoving it out of the way because it's like this giant blob of, like, fat fur. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's loads of fun, kind of uh, high, hard SF meets, uh, not really mecha, but that level of whatever, but a lot of comedy and a little bit of sex thrown in. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and, and the point I wanted to touch upon is the little bit of sex thrown in. Yeah, that's like, uh, at some point, that was like geeky because it started like they weren't they weren't true hentai yet and no. but there was a lot of uh, sexy female characters starting to appear more and more around the right. time of Dirty Pear. Yep, uh, I certainly noticed. And um, there were there were some people. I remember, I remember the guy I was trading uh, tapes with at the time. He's like, "Oh, you got to see this." I'm like, "Really? What am I going to see?" I was like, oh, it's cute. You know, it's, it's, it's harmless fun. You know, like, relax, you know? Exactly right. But there and, are guys that, especially in Japan, they're like, oh, yes. I mean, they're totally in love with whatever imaginary anime character. And it gets weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, so anyway, from there, there were other things that I had actually discovered in some cases first, but that I liked almost as much, which is the cyberpunk strain of sci-fi. Uh, mm -hmm. I've used the term a little bit loosely, but I'm including things like Bubblegum Crisis, Demon Chini Shijuku, Wicked City, uh, Armageddon, oh, Wicked City. Uh, Cyber City Odeo, uh, to a lesser extent, it's a little boring, but Lock the Superman, Guy Double you, Target. Which they consider hentai, but it's not hentai. Uh, no. Fight Ixer One, which kind of borders on sci-fi horror. With these, like, were you, were you surprised to see that Wicked City was adapted to a Hong Kong feature yes. film live action I, rather I, than the Japanese? When I, was, when I was into Hong Kong films, that was one of the first things I checked out. And I was like, man, this film sucks. But, <laughs> but the original anime is great. Uh, I think they took all the sex and horror out of it. So what was the point? Um, oh, no, 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 no. It was a Category 3. Yeah, well, Category 3, they, they were never that racy. They tried to be. They, they made it like it was a big no. deal. But I didn't think Category yeah. 3 much. Uh, but, but, but no, I, I, I thought the thing was, though, I think, I think the part I was trying to make, though, was that Japan never made a feature Well, not yet, well, maybe no. at the time. But they didn't do a feature film. And then... That happened then they, uh, I mean, Hong even to this day... 
even to this day, where you're getting adaptations of stuff like Skip Beat or Boys Over Flowers, and it's happening first or solely in Japan, uh, sorry, in China, in Taiwan. I mean, sometimes even in Korea. I mean, the, the Japanese don't always uh, utilize their own properties, or at least not first. Maybe if it catches on, they'll go back and do it, like they do with Boys Over Flowers. But, mm-hmm. you know, at first, usually it's these other nations. Uh, actually, I'm into a lot of J-pop and J-rock and all that stuff. Uh, and one of the people I'm really into is uh, Shizuka Kudo. And she has a much bigger following in Taiwan and China than she does in Japan, which is like, really? Um, So that's the thing. They go there first because that's where the fan base is. Um, And actually, the Koreans are into a lot of their stuff and vice versa. The Japanese are really into Korean dramas. The Koreans are really into Japanese anime and musicians and stuff, so I don't know. Um, But anyway, other ones I was thinking of was uh, Lily Cat, which is – Interesting. Yes. Sci fi horror. Really kind of yes. uh, yeah. There's a bad version of that called Dark Cat with these two guys. It, it doesn't work as well. Lily Cat's cool, though. Um, I really love this. So this is like my favorite stuff. Uh, there's one that's kind of. Uh, it sort of fits into the Cyber City mode, but it's more cheesy and like Lupin esque. Uh, something called Cleopatra DC. Silly, but amusing. Um, my wife always confused the space opera thing with Mecca. Uh, there's two different things. Uh, See, different. The thing is yeah. that space opera, you've got a lot of military involvement, and she's always shocked. Like, why do you like all this military stuff since you're not like a you know a cop military type guy? Uh, but I, <laughs> it's well done. Down, uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I really you know need to follow somebody's orders. Not at all. <laughs> Anybody knows most of the joke. But uh, I mean, that's why it baffled her. I'm like, really? Uh, but she always said, oh, yeah, you really like all that Mecca stuff. I'm like, no, I don't. Because what I'm thinking when I think Mecca is stuff like, actually, that she likes, like Voltron, uh, which was originally like Beast King Go Lion. Um, yes, it is. She said, oh, she said Voltron ate Mecca. Uh, Black Magic M66, which is entertaining enough, but you know, it's still kind of uh, a cross between Cyberpunk and Mecca. Cyborg 009, Giant Robo. Does she want to join us? <laughs> I said that to her. I said you should come on the show for this night. Uh, Pat Labor, you know, Gunbuster, um, arguably Appleseed, which again I like, but uh, I do that's like a, that too. The yeah. problem with Appleseed, when it came over here originally, I hated it because there was a big thing that they were doing with the early dubs in this country. You know, places like uh, Central Park Manga, who is no longer around. But they actually sponsored one of the early anime conventions in New York City. We went to the first one they did. Uh, and they had a tendency, and sometimes Manga Video did as well, a couple other places, with the early dubs to try to spice it up for the crack. Because they figure, okay, well, we're appealing to a crowd that's of a certain age or figure it's like you know, young college kids or whatever. And they want something spicy. They think they're going to get something whatever from this anime that they can't get anywhere else. So what they did was they would mistranslate things and make go over the top, swearing their heads off for no reason. So yeah. the first time I put it in, the original version was like, yeah, you fucker, I'm going to kick your fucking ass, you piece of shit. I'm going to rip your head off and shit down your neck. And What the hell am I watching? And I actually like almost shut it off. It was that bad. I'm like, ah, it was a bad taste in my mouth. And then maybe a decade later... Uh, of all places, our library had a copy of Appleseed. I'm like, all right, I got to see how Appleseed's even in the library from what I remember here. And it turned out that they had redubbed it. And you know what? It's a damn good piece of work. Uh, it's a good anime, a good OVA. But 
you know, if you ever see that original dub, you'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? Because it was so bad. And there was other ones like that, too. I, mean, I remember there was an Aussie dub, uh, not a filthy one like that, but of uh, Macross 2. Uh, I mean, it was Do You Remember Love, I think it was. Awful. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I think I can get over here. I, I know who to blame. I know who to blame because I, I, I traveled in such a wide variety of circles uh, back in those days. And, and uh, there are a lot of people going to uh, in New York, the Berghoff Goodman School of Germanic Arts or some bullshit like that. That right. was the, like the acting school for people who couldn't get into Juilliard. <laughs> and uh, it was like, no, it was like if you had a day job, you would go to that school at night or some bullshit like that. And apparently a lot of people were moonlighting doing the dubbing for these things. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would be like, Oh, who's this? Oh, that's Jack, my husband. Hi, Jack. What do you do? I dub Japanese cartoons. Oh, really? I, What'd you work on? No, really? Yeah. I, did I, I, the, I yeah. mentioned a couple times in the past. I, I have a friend that used to be a hippie, like literally. And, you know, now, well, now this is retired, but he was working in a comic shop for many is years. He's retired? Uh, yes, he's a retired hippie. A retired comic shop hippie. But, uh,. Yeah, he was really into, he just me a lot of weird music. Actually, that's how I got into Ever Biggin and the Residents and stuff. It was from him. Uh, but he was actually at one point in his life a voiceover artist, uh, a dubber. Okay. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he, he never did anime from what he told me, but he apparently did some pornos. <laughs> 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 and he's like, yeah, it's so funny because I'm standing there with this girl and we're basically trying not to laugh. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Oh, harder. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the voiceover artist is kind of a, a silly profession. You can make it into something good, but I always had a problem with dubbers because they had a big thing with anime. And this is actually yeah. another subject. It's a big subject for anime. Uh, there are people like myself who will only watch the original Japanese subtitled. Just like with, I, you know French films or Chinese films or whatever, but they're usually not as objectionable. Uh, for some reason, with anime, these people decided that I'm an artist, and therefore, and they said it over and over and over again. If you go back and look at the print interviews with these people, they constantly say this crap. People from ADV, people from CPM, people from Manga, wherever. You know, Amanda Wynn, all these people that were big names. Oh. I don't. I purposely don't listen to the original voice artist because I want to do my own interpretation. And of course, their own interpretation sucks ass. So <laughs> uh, you get some really, really horrible dubbing in anime. Actually, some of the worst dubbing in the world is done in anime. Um, there are people that can pull it off. There are ones that aren't as bad as others. But as a rule, if you have a choice, do yourself a favor and watch it in Japanese with the subtitles, uh, just because of that. So yeah. It's kind of a silly profession in, in that way. Uh, well, also, so, Jap- Japanese is a very unique language. It's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of connotations and insinuations. It's a language where there's no uh, possessives and there are no singular and plural. And, right. you know, there's a lot of strange things about it. It's, it's very, it's almost poetic, uh, which is probably one of the reasons I enjoy it and gravitate towards it in a lot of ways. Uh, and the males but, always speak very deeply, like, I, right. And, and they train the girls to speak very nice because that's supposed to be a, a turn on, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're getting I, into other areas there. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but anyway, um, the thing is that uh, it's 
kind of a silly thing, and it was a huge thing back when because I remember originally I had seen the dubs, and the first time I went to Anime Crash, I had asked them. It was about Bubblegum Crisis, and I was like, okay, you know, the, the songs in this are really good, and they gave me uh, they pointed me some CDs, and they, of course they were all the original Japanese. And I'm like, oh, okay, well this is cool, but do you have the ones that you know I saw in the English dub? And they basically, you know, looked at me like I had three heads and like laughed and like, okay, what are you doing here, you freak? But you know, what are you gonna do? I was, I was early into anime at that point. But uh, that was kind of the thing, and it still persists. I'm not one of those. I'm not like, oh, you like dubs, you're an idiot. But you know, do yourself a favor and don't put yourself through you know, some really bad reinterpretation of this stuff of the material. Um, but anyway, unless you have something else to say about that, we'll just move on. No, let's, let's go. Yeah. Um, so there's another genre that I like a lot, which is the sort of D&D-based uh, animes. There aren't a lot of them, but the ones that are are pretty interesting. Uh, Record of Lotus War, the original one, uh, there oh, were yeah. mangas and books and stuff like that out there. I've, I've read a couple of them. Uh, but the actual anime, once again, had that strange thing where it doesn't really end properly, but it's mm. it was really nice art. And it definitely taps into all the stuff that somebody who is you know, into D&D or Pathfinders, whatever they'll expect to see, it's there. Uh, very enjoyable. You know, everybody falls in love with the, the elf. Uh, you know, it's, it's good. The trick is that there's a sequel to it, Record of Lotus War Chronicles of the Heroic Knight, that was a TV series. Because the original was an OVA series. And picture, this is another thing we didn't mention. Back in the day, to get this stuff, if you could get it, quote, legally, if it wasn't a fan sub, if it wasn't somebody's, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, bootleg from another country that didn't have subtitles on it or whatever the hell, Mm -hmm. uh, chances are you had to buy it from these companies. And it was only a couple of companies at the time that did it. I'd mentioned some before, like ADV and CPM and Manga, and uh, I forget who else was around at the time. There about five labels that were big. Um, Viz was one, but they they got shit. You know, Tristan Dude had shitty taste. Um, but what happens is they would put one to two episodes, especially with OVA, one to two episodes on a tape. And if you wanted the subtitle version, that's all you got. You didn't get the dub yeah. as well. You had to buy a separate tape for that, and vice versa. And actually, that's how I had a lot of dubs in my collection in the early days, because you can go and get a dub tape from, of one episode or two episodes of an OVA or, or series or whatever for you know 15 to 20 bucks, which is bad enough, but at the time, that was considered cheap for anime. Or mm-hmm. you could pay 30 bucks for the, the subtitled one of the same thing. So I was like, wow, Jesus, a big, you know, I'm, I'm paying actually like one third for this fucking thing. So sometimes I did it, and sometimes like, I had just the hell with it, I just want to see this. Uh, so my collection was kind of mixed. I'd have like, you know, two subtitle tapes and three dub ones and back and forth. And that's how I know like how bad the dubbers can get. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, it was a big deal back then. They really ripped you off like crazy. And I was so amazed, maybe about eight years ago, walking into a Best Buy and I'm seeing complete series of animes, like, you know, 30, 40 episodes of stuff that we're getting, like one and two episodes at a time for 30 bucks a piece for, mm-hmm. you know, 35, 50 bucks. I'm like, what the fuck just happened here? Really? So, you kids, you got it really good. And if you see old series that, you know, think you might be interested in, snap them up. Because you're getting a much better deal than any of us did. Um, oh yeah, there's a- Amazon now too. You know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so anyway, another one besides uh, Lotus War. Anyway, what I was saying is, after the OVAs, you had this TV series. It wasn't half as good, but they throw in some new characters. Some of it's interesting. All right, fine. 
but what really works here is Slayers. I don't know if I, some people have mixed feelings about it. Uh, it's a comedy take on the whole RPG thing. And you've got this girl who's supposed to be, you know, she thinks she's a great wizard, Lena Inverse. She actually is kind of powerful, but uh, her big thing is that she's upset she's flat-chested or whatever. And she eats like a pig, and she hangs around with this guy, Gary, who's like a dumb fighter, who also eats like a pig. Uh, and they go around and get in all the usual D&D-style adventures. Now, what happens is there are two, uh, well, actually a couple series of this. Once you get into the later ones, the OVAs and uh, the movies, as it were, they introduce a new character in there who's like oh, my favorite character, uh, Naga the White Serpent, who is this ridiculously over-endowed, uh, more mature woman with this, you know, if you watch a lot of anime, they always have that silly <laughs> laugh. Uh she does that stuff a lot and, of course, rubs it in Lena's face that she's under and down. Uh, it's loads of fun. It's stupid. It's juvenile. But if you're into D&D and you want to get some cheap laughs, this is definitely one to go with. Um, so are you still there? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it. It was like dead sound, all that noise that was going on in the back went away, so I want to make sure you're there. Um, all right. <laughs> there were a couple of other ones that are a little more questionable. Legend of Lemnir, which is sort of a uh, continuation of the Lotus series, but not really. Um, I'm sorry, that's Legend of Christania I'm thinking of. Uh, Legend of Lemnir is one that's kind of infamous because it's sort of, uh, I hate to say rapey, but it's like that. It's... If you took Conan the Barbarian ethos and mixed it with D&D and then through, like, not really hentai, but, like, you know, leaning towards, uh, like, a sexual kind of a thing, then you'd have this. But, you know, I like it. I, I actually always enjoyed it, as stupid as it is. Uh, it's brief, but a lot of people have, like, big issues with it. Uh, and strangely, I'm not going to talk about too many new series because I'm not a big fan of the more recent stuff as a rule. But Scrap Princess is really good, uh, those of you who are into uh, the more modern animes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got all the problems of modern anime where it's got uh, all the, the CG and the, the plot really doesn't go anywhere and there's not a lot of energy and whatever. But that's part of its charm in a way. It's kind of bucolic. Uh, you know, they're basically on the run with this girl that's uh, – yeah, she's supposed to have special powers, but she's also cursed to some crap. And everybody's out to kill her, so they got to hide her and kind of go from town to town and pretend there's somebody else. There's a lot of that, you know, taverns and inns sort of thing you encounter in tabletop gaming. So uh, I enjoyed so, it a lot. So how how do you – so I, I, I wanted to touch upon this because I think we're doing really good time-wise for a change. For a change. Um, <laughs> cosplay. So mm -hmm. so the, that whole thing, don't you think that came out of this whole oh, yeah. anime thing? It is so, totally like, anime-based. Uh, I had wished that my wife was into that sort of thing because I really enjoy that. I enjoy that. I follow a lot of cosplayers are used to. Uh, I enjoy seeing girls running around in these little sexy outfits pretending to be whoever. You know, like, <laughs> you know paid alum to, you know, uh, no, you I name know, it, I know. you know. It's, I, I actually have one. Some girl did a, a set where she was Nova from, um, uh, no, not Nova. Uh, she was the one from Robotech, uh, Lisa Hayes, and she actually kind of looked like her in the face, even. And I was like, 
oh my god it's like i actually found one photo she posted i'm like where's the rest of this set and, and she pointed me to it and i was like so grateful I'm like wow this looks fantastic it's like i really I, wish I think I there's like a, lot, a lot of that going on at the comic con shows and stuff oh, yeah. like that but it's uh, become so, a but, huge thing yeah good now how are you but these people um I mean, we're gonna go. We're gonna swing back to what we were, we were planning on doing, but I just wanted to like touch on this because it's it's growing. It's growing yes. into a big thing. Um, so what what do you think it is? You think these people are so enamored with the the lifestyle of these animated characters <laughs> that they 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 want to you know not only dress up like they want to be them for a couple hours. What do you, what do you yeah. think that's up? I really yeah. think that's it. I mean, that, there is – you could argue that it started with comic books because there's just as many comic book cosplayers as there are you know, anime ones. And you even get some TV show ones or movie ones. But for the most part, it is comics and anime and anime more heavily and more originally. Uh, like that first uh, comic, uh, the anime con I went to for CPM in the city that time, uh, that actually – we went to an anime uh, contest – or anime uh, cosplay contest. And that was also the first time I was, God help us, exposed to crossplay, which is hilarious because you get these guys that are like, you know, 400 pounds going around dressed like Sailor Moon. And you're like, really? <laughs> so it's like morbidly fascinating. Like, we, you would really do this to yourself. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they're getting something out that they got to work out, or maybe it's just a good sense okay. of humor. I don't know. Uh, it's well, a little strange. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a little strange, but hey, whatever. Um, because I, I I I have come across, <laughs> you know, where I'm going with this. Yes. Uh, cos this cosplay porn out there, and which oh, is yeah. really interesting. There's a lot of it, and, and, and I actually found some early. Yeah. Because I was big on Evangelion, and somebody sent me some Evangelion type porn where they were dressed up like Rei Ayanami, and better yet, Asuka Langley. And I was like, wow, this is unbelievable, but, uh, but I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> and then. As we went on, I understand they did like, and I saw one that was ridiculous, where it was like the Justice League or some crap, and people dressed up like, you know, Black Canary and the Huntress, and, you know, screwing like Superman. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Watching. I mean, some of that stuff, some, <laughs> it's getting better and better. Production, the costumes are like better than the. But 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 going back to the cosplay stuff, I've even seen stuff where, you know, the the earlier anime where it was a bit cheesy and the the. the the, the artwork wasn't so terrific, so the facial Oh, yeah, the 60 stuff was nasty, yeah. A bit immobile, right? Yep. So I, 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 I'm seeing that appearing now from Japan of all places. And I'm like, what is this weird? They're dressing up like a character with an immobile face. It's a very, <laughs> very sort of thing. Yeah. But I have no problems whatsoever with cosplay. I enjoy it. And not in oh, no. Of, I've, I've never done it. Uh, you know, if my wife was into that and made costumes and shit, I would do it. Sure, why not? But uh, I've never done it, and she's not into it. So, therefore, you know, I just kind of ogle from a distance. Like, okay, nice costume, cool. Uh, well, that girl looks pretty good in that uh, lum outfit or whatever, and there you go. Uh, but that's about the size of it. Um, but, yeah, I have no objections okay. to it whatsoever. But I do think that it is mostly based on or hails from the uh, the anime subculture, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, another one I forgot to mention with Mecha, which I never really understood, is Gundam. 
Don't get it. Oh. Uh, it's a huge thing. It's been going on since 1979. It was the first one. Uh, they have series after series after series. It is a, a military sort of space opera, generation after generation going through whatever, you know, basically working their way up the ranks and people dying and, you know, their families and relationships and whatever else. But I just can't get into it. It's too slow. It's too long. And actually, there's an anime out there that's meta about it. Uh, Sergeant Frog is a more recent one too. Uh, it was just kind of goofy and you know typical you know, CG era, you know, recent funny uh, anime type thing. But the big thing is that Sergeant Frog is supposed to be here. They're, they're like basically frogs from another planet, and they come here and they're sent here to invade the Earth, and they fail because their leader is too busy collecting Gundam figures. He really got hooked on Gundam and likes to build the models. <laughs> so he ends up living with his family and doing like their housework and shit from the older sister like bullies him into doing all the housework and in exchange for, you know, going buy him another Gundam figure. <laughs> and he just sits there building them all night. It's ridiculous, but it's, you know, meta and funny. Um we actually have some of the plushies from that one. Yeah, we enjoy this crap. Um but the actual series itself, I never really got it. I don't have anything against people that are into it. Because, uh, like I said, I'm into the series like, you know, Robotech and, uh, and Star Blazers and whatever the hell else. So it, it's all cool with me, but Gundam never did it for me. Um, but the D&D thing we took care of, now we get into this stuff that's, again, really near and dear to my heart, which is more of the, and I guess we're getting more into your area too, more of the occult-based stuff. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a... I identified several variants, and again, I'm just basically going from my collection. This isn't from out of the air. Uh, so it's other stuff that I know, enjoy, and care about enough to have bought. Um, this first one I called the cult TNA slash mainstream comedy with a bit of mythos thrown in, uh, because that's actually a variant. Uh, you have stuff like Devil Hunter Yoko, which I loved that series when it came oh, yeah, out. Oh, like uh, yeah, Fantastic. And I think number six, which was the final one, had the best theme song. Really cool shit. But basically, if we can go back and look at it, I was like, oh, this is kind of perverted. Because, <laughs> you know, the whole thing is she's got to remain a virgin. Otherwise, she loses her power to go fight off all these demons that are come take over the world. And they're kind of like sex demons. And But it's not hentai. It's just kind of like, well, it's still sort of a mainstream, you know, anime comedy. But it's kind of bordering on sleazy. Uh, but it's a comedy. And there's a lot of Japanese mythological stuff going on in there. Uh, similar to that, but less sleazy, is Blue Seed, uh, where the girl is more or less a Shinto priestess. Once again, has to remain a virgin, to, you know, and banish away all the, you know, the whatever, Susanna O oh, coming back and destroying the world to get Amaratsu or whatever the hell. Uh, but loads of fun, uh, very entertaining. She's got this guy that guards her that's kind of like a, a beast man, and uh, they've got this organization that kind of looks forward to Evangelion uh, that she's involved with. Great show. Ayara Kasa's in it, who was also Ryoko in the uh, Tenchi Miyoshi series, so I had a thing for her. Um, great, uh, fun little show, but not as sleazy as Devil Hunter Yoko. Same idea, though. Same ballpark, I would say. And then you've got – I discovered this one first, Phantom Quest Core, uh, which is kind of like a cheap variation of a series called Ghost Sweeper Mikami, which both of us love. Uh, being me and my wife. Uh, basically, this woman is a uh, an exorcist, I guess is the best way to put it. And she does it for money. She's very glamorous, you know, goes around all the best clothes. She's very full of herself, narcissistic. 
And she gets this schmuck who basically just wants to get in her pants, but she uses him as uh, like a houseboy slave, more or less. He'd do all the dirty work in here. Go ahead, go fight that ghost for me. Okay, I'm going to file my nails. And he keeps thinking he's going to get something, and she just smacks him in the head and ignores him. And <laughs> along the way, they start pulling in people like they've got a ghost, you know, Okinu, who ends up, you know, they try to exercise her, and she winds up hanging around with him and helping him out. And you see her floating around with like a flame over her head the whole time. Uh, it, it just gets a bigger and bigger cast and gets sillier and sillier. Loads of fun. Uh, it took a long time for that series to come over here. I don't know why. I always enjoyed it. Uh, but Phantom Quest Core was more of the cheesy, you know, I, in this country about 10 or 15 years before Mikami ever got here, uh, knockoff, which was more of just, you know, she's an old drunk, basically, and she's got some kid going to kick her ass to get out of bed and go do a job. Uh, still enjoyable, though, but nowhere near as good as Mikami. Uh, three by Three Eyes, my wife loved. That's even more mythical, mystical, whatever the hell. And you can even kind of go into Fushigi Yugi territory there, which was more of like, you know, the Chinese 12 gods, whatever the hell it is. And, you know, the, oh, look, it's the phoenix versus the dragon versus whatever. It's very complicated, very uh, girls' manga. Uh, but, you know, so therefore it doesn't really belong there. But when I say Three by Three Eyes, it's kind of pushing into that territory too. Uh, and then you've got ones that you lose the TNA and the comedy bits, but it's still kind of in that occult that you're using the Japanese mythos thing. Uh, one of my favorite animes ever, series, series Celestial Legend. Uh, it is, it's hard to describe. It's this thing about this uh, girl who's like a doppelganger for this. Other. It, 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 there's this whole thing with an organization, like a family. It's almost like a mafia family, and they're trying to keep this secret. And then it, basically the grandfather had screwed this goddess, and all kinds of chaos goes on. There's a lot of uh, cloak and dagger. It becomes very Mission Impossible. Well, she was a goddess. Yes. Uh, Well, yeah, but not everybody knows that. But anyway, uh, it's a really, really good one, and you don't hear about it much. Uh, So, you know, if if you are – yeah, it's worth checking out for sure. It's it's one of my favorites. Um, Curse of the Undead Yoma, which I think is on DVD under a ridiculous title, Blood Rain, and then Curse of the Yoma. Uh, I remember seeing that back on DVD or VHS back in the day. It reminds me of those ones I had mentioned earlier, kind of like uh, Ninja Scroll, Wicked City, that sort of a thing. Uh, but a little bit more, even more so than Ninja Scroll, it's more Japanese legend-based. You know, there's like uh, the equivalent of zombies and ghosts and stuff. It, it's pretty neat. Uh, and, of course, the guy's like a ninja or some shit. Uh, or a samurai, I'm sorry. Uh, Doom Megalopolis, which also had a live action called Tokyo The Last Megalopolis. Uh, again, it sort of borders in some cases. Some people might consider it hentai. It's not, but it's very, very dark. Uh, you know, they basically it's set in the 20s, and there's this saucer who's trying to bring back this demon and destroy the world. And Japan's like an earthquake, and the Shinto priestess is trying to stop it. But it's it's involved. It's complicated. And it's so absorbing. You just watch it and like, wow, <laughs> what am I watching? Uh, it's, it's the kind of thing you want to get drunk or smoke a joint to. It's really like mind-boggling. Um, Clamp did a couple of things like Tokyo Babylon and to a lesser extent X, which were also playing in, um, you know, Exorcist slash Mystical Powers territory. Uh, you could say Vampire Princess Miu. Uh, I'm not a huge fan oh, of it, yeah. but it's atmospheric. You know, same idea. Um 
then you get stuff that I call it the, the occult slash science fiction dystopia, where it's really going more into the uh, sci-fi arena. Like we had mentioned stuff earlier, uh, you know, even things like uh, Ixer 1. But Neon Genesis Evangelion, I mean, I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that series. I'm sitting there watching it, and my mouth is dropping at the – it was almost like non sequitur because they never really followed through. But they threw mm-hmm. things out there. I mean, there's the whole big thing with the steel revealing. I'm like, holy shit, what are they going to say here? And then they don't say anything. And then they got this whole thing with the angels, and these these kids have to basically um, connect with their HGA, as it were. And I'm like, whoa, what are they saying here? And then it doesn't say anything. And so it was kind of like putting a lot of signifiers out there that people, um, Thelemites, let's say, would be like, I think there's something going on here. And yet it never quite gets there. So I was fascinated with this series. Uh, I loved it. Once again, I was disappointed with the ending like everybody else. Uh, but there are some fascinating characters in it, all of whom were very damaged. Uh, and it was very well scripted and very convoluted. Uh so it became kind of a phenomenon. Uh, it was a huge thing in anime at the time, in the I guess in the mid '90s, and it spawned a whole bunch of really shitty knockoffs. Like uh, I've seen someone was like, "Oh, look, it's kind of like Evangelion," but nah, it kind of sucks. Like Gasaraki, uh, Raxifon, Gilgamesh. I mean, they just kept making these things, and none of them worked. None of them were even close to the original. Um, then you have some straight-up occult horror ones, like I mentioned before, like Ninja Scroll, Demon Station Juku, Wicked City, Descendants of Darkness, which is a funny one because it's kind of like uh, – I'll reference a new anime that people might know, Ghost Hunt, but it's like a gay ghost hunt because these two guys are basically gay lovers, uh, which actually made me want to play this clip, so I've been waiting for until I got to this to play this one. Hi, this is Richard Fairbrow from Right Said Fred, and I'm far too sexy for this podcast. <laughs> My buddy Matt had actually interviewed uh, Richard Fairbrass from Red Fred, you know, on Too Sexy. Uh, so, Did he really? Wow. Yes. I was like, oh, man, I'm jealous. Uh, apparently, they've been out there doing albums all along. I thought they just did that one song. Uh, so he's still out there making albums in Australia or whatever. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing Gay Time, but they did apparently talk about that. You know, he did a, a series called Gay Time you know, uh, in Australia. Um but anyway, so I saved it for when I got to the Sins of Darkness. But it is, you know, even if you're like, oh, geez, two gay guys, do I want to see this? It's a good show. I, I really did enjoy what it. What is that called, though? Isn't there, there um... Yaoi, they call it. Yes. Uh, that's yes. The, the girls are really into this. Is apparently, uh, I guess they get off on seeing guys make out. Kind of like uh, there's guys out there that really get off on seeing girls make out. So it's a thing. Um it's one of those, but it's not because it, that would be like, you know, why the hell would I watch that? It's not my thing. But, you know, seeing as it's really kind of this occult sort of thing, and these guys, you know, they're basically uh, exorcists slash, you know, tarot readers slash whatever. I was like, okay, let me check this out, see what it says. I'm like, oh, it's one of those. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's not, it's really decent for what it is. Uh, if you can get past that uh, one thing that may or may not swing you one way or the other. Uh, Vampire Hunter, did you ever before? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's no way to go around that without the, the pun and the double entendre. I kept trying to like find words that wouldn't. <laughs> it was like I heard a podcast today, and this guy's talking about uh, – he's talking about solo modules for D&D. And he says, yeah, you know, if you've got a rainy day or whatever, you could just pull one of these out and play with yourself. Uh, oops, I didn't, I didn't like the way that sounded. <laughs> yeah. 
sometimes there's no way around it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Chris Leonard Yoma. You had another one who was kind of – I wasn't a big fan of him in any way, but also kind of pushing into this sort of occultic thing. Go Nagai, uh, which is actually – Oh, yeah. It's a funny pseudonym anyway because he's saying five long. In other words, his dick is five inches long. Uh, <laughs> that's his name. Is that all? Uh, exactly, right? Well, he's Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's probably most infamous for doing Devil Man, which uh, they also made into a live-action movie. Uh, actually, most of his stuff is made into live-action movies. He made uh, Legendary Panty Mask, which is – I never found it on DVD, but I had it in the VHS days, uh, live-action. Hilarious, non-sploitation, comedy, hentai, perverted, screwed up, uh, set in a Western ghost town. Uh, yeah, so anyway, you know – hold on, hold on, hold on a second, though. Between Devilman and Legendary Panty Mask, the anime, right? Well, I'm talking about the live-action yeah. Oh, you're talking about the live action. Yeah. Well, well, for that one, live action. But Devil Man, it's like it's it stops short of being hentai. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing with his stuff. It's always kind of there, but not quite. It's still yeah. like Devil Hunter Yoko. It's still kind of in the ballpark, but yeah, it, it's safe enough. Um, but yeah, anybody out there that's looking for weird uh, Japanese live action stuff to bring over, please bring over Legendary Panty Mask. It's one of a kind. <laughs> Um, I'm talking about the live action again. But Cutie Honey, which was probably his most famous safe one, if you want to call it yeah. that. Uh, there was a series in the 70s that was a little more innocuous. There was a new one in the 90s that I was more familiar with. Uh, whether it's better or worse, I don't know. It depends on your orientation. And then they did a live action, which was okay. Uh, Kekko Kama, yeah. yeah. Naked Bastard. All the, the Kekko Kama. And they did some live action movies of Kekko Kama. Wow, they're unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, if you ever want to say, what the hell am I watching? That That's what you pull out. Um, and this was actually not my favorite, but my favorite. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy's stats? Uh, Hanape Bazooka. Do you remember that one? Basically, it was an anime about some guy that summons demons by jerking off to the television set. Seriously. But, that, was, that was the plot. <laughs> but but, but Keiko Kama, uh, go ahead. I, you're, so, you're so good at this tonight. So how how are we how are we gonna describe the Keiko Kamad okay, character? It's fascinating because basically this girl, um, she's in high school or whatever the hell, and she turns into a superhero, almost like Wonder Woman, she spins around or whatever. The thing yeah. is that her superpower is that she takes all her clothes off except for her mask. You know, she basically ties a scarf around her face. And <laughs> Yeah. Again, you won't believe this, but after Hanabe Bazooka, you might believe it. Uh, her superpower is she flashes her snatch at people, and this goes and stuns them like oh, and, and they like you know basically she beats them up after that because they're like they can't believe you just saw her pussy. <laughs> That's it, and, <laughs> literally. And when you watch the live action, they do this by you know basically this girl shows her shave snatch, but they don't show that. They put like a an effect on there, like a like a beam of light or a star or something. A beam. Light or a ray, yes. Yeah, right. it was like, wow, this is. <laughs> you basically shake your head, like, what can you possibly say about this? It's like, this is either the worst thing you ever saw or the greatest, and it may be both. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. yes. Yeah. Uh, going to Guy, he's right on the border there of the uh, occult and uh, hentai. Um, then you got some hentai comedies. Now, I actually found to my surprise many years ago, not recently, that yeah, a lot of the stuff that I had gotten when I was going around trolling these video stores, 
was actually anti or bordering on it. I, at the time, I was just like, ah, it's anime, whatever. Sometimes they were fucking, sometimes they were just whatever. But uh, this was actually like, you know, people were like, really? You got all that hentai? Girl from Fantasia. It wasn't really hentai, but nonetheless, this girl comes out of a magic carpet. and A typical anime girl type of scenario. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't think it ever came on DVD. It should. Um, short, you know, the usual OVA where it's like a half an hour or whatever the hell, but I really enjoyed that one. On the other hand, what did come to DVD is one of the most ridiculous ones I've ever seen, which is F3, Frantic, Frustrated, and Female. This was a three-part <laughs> transgressive pervert comedy. It's the only way you can describe it. Uh, you know how we were talking about stuff like Taboo the other week when we were talking about the, the old pornos? Yeah. yeah. It goes into that territory. And then they try to defuse it by saying, oh, no, no, that was her aunt. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. But it's so over the top, it's funny. You know, I actually found myself laughing at it the first time I saw it. Uh, but it's really out there. And then they have a knockoff of that called Phobia, which is just crap. Um... There's some sort of, I think there are video game knockoffs, believe it or not. So there's some like perverted video games running around Japan. Uh, Dragon Pink, which is sort of enjoyable. Basically, this girl's like a cat girl, and her whole shtick is basically she keeps getting captured, and they keep like you know ripping her clothes off. Uh, and this guy comes in and half saves well, her, but he's always dazzled by seeing her naked. Uh, so, go ahead. but we're we're into our hentai section at this yeah. point, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I, and. For, for those who don't know or unaware, it's basically so we've been talking about anime for the last hour and forty minutes, and so animated films, and so y'all, uh, you'll see this a lot in reviews, especially by by fans. It's called fan service. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes. Fan service. You know, like oh, they, they, they drew this really interesting. Busty uh, female character, and you know, it's like what we want to see fan service, you know, and that's a good fan service, you know, it's a good, well, super geek thing going on. The thing but, is, you're know, getting fan service at this point because we're still talking about stuff from the 80s and 90s, but it really doesn't kick in until the new stuff, and that's part of actually what ruins the new stuff because yeah. there's no mm-hmm. way you could take like a girl, or, you know, it's not already kind of exposed to this crap, or you know, like your mother or something like that, and show her something like this. And, you know, even something that's innocuous because you've always got this damn fan service in there. So, in other words, it's kind of like when those of you who are video gamers, when DOA, the original Dead or Alive, came out and you had that option where you could make the boobs, like, bounce more and you kind of up the volume. Uh, and that's what it is. You know, somebody will come in, they'll turn around, and all of a sudden these gigantic tits are there and they're bouncing, like, up and down, or, or they'll flash you their snatch, or you know, they'll, they'll bend over and you'll see a panty shot, or. And or they'll like have a, a lesbian flirtation or there's something like that will be in there and you know it's with all the horny guys. Going, oh yeah, oh <laughs> really? Come on, it, it's just embarrassing. Uh, but, and it's but, become a major point in anime nowadays. So, uh, but yeah, they did yeah, start. Yeah, but it's it it started around that time. And but yeah. now what what what's the everything's just taken to where do you take it? You take it to yeah. the next level and beyond. And um. Right. I, I, I've seen a lot of this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course. Um, I mean, Wandering Kid, Yurutsu Koji, uh, is... <laughs> well, wait, 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 I want to <laughs> I, well, it's one of the it's one of the more well-known ones. It's one of the earlier ones. Um, it's also one of the uh, best ones. 
It's yeah, it's one of the best ones, you know, demons. Uh it's also uh tentacled monsters, you know, no. it's it's it's, I, I don't really know if I'm all one. we were talking about before with people like over swearing and all that stuff, it's it's in there in spades. And yet, for what it is, <laughs> it works. Uh, it's very well done in terms of animation. It's uh, got a convoluted plot. Uh, it's still hand-drawn, so it looks really nice. Uh, and if you're into the more, you know, occult sci-fi sort of thing going on, and, okay, I'm going to watch Doom like Lapos, I'm going to watch Ninja Scroll, I'm going to watch Wicked City, you'll probably also want to see Yorosoku Doji. Problem is that it is notorious for several things. And every time you think it's hit a new low, it goes even lower. Um Actually, let me finish with the comedy before I get there, just because it's so deep with that one. <laughs> uh, I don't know how deep we want to get with it, but anyway, uh, after Dragon Peak, there's another one called Dragon Knight, which was actually directly from a video game. And the guy basically, once again, he's a, he's a guy that's supposed to go around and save all these damsels in distress, you know, princesses and towers, wherever the hell. And every time he goes to find one, of course they're going to have an article clothing missing or something. And he's going to be like, you know, basically get a nosebleed and freak out and be a pervert. That's the whole anime. It, but you know, it's not that. quite. Yeah. Hentai, it's just like in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, Elven Bride, which is the one where a guy marries basically people who are into uh, Lotus War. Like, oh yeah, what happened to poor Mary Deedlet? Well, it would be like Elven Bride, where oh wait, you know I'm too small for you, so you know I got to get this thing from the you got to get this thing from a rock's nest and whatever. So this guy's got to go climb up trees and fight this giant rock and get this liquid so that he can go and have lube to go and. <laughs> it's stupid. It's filthy. It's fun. Uh, I always enjoyed it. Once again, I don't think it ever came to DVD, but back in the VHS days. Um, New Angel was pretty decent. That was like a unrelated like six or eight part series. Uh, I remember one that was on a tennis court that was pretty well done. Just little relationship things that turned into sex at one point. Mm-hmm. But again, it's clearly hentai at this point. Uh in terms of the sci-fi horror stuff, which is the reason I really liked this stuff in the first place, uh, Cream Lemon Dark was always one of my favorites. It's uh, one episode of the series, Cream Lemon, which was, yeah, I don't really care for the series as a whole. It usually wasn't dubbed or subtitled. This one, I had a dubbed version on a VHS. Again, it never came over here on DVD. Angel uh, Blade? Angel Blade? Yeah, this one, they basically go to an old castle, and it's haunted, and there's, like, demons running around, and hands and holding candles on a wall, like, out of Koteau, and it, it's really atmospheric and neat, and yet it's hentai, so, but I wish somebody would bring it over, but nobody ever did. Uh, there's one that was kind of a cheap knockoff of that, but really not that great, called Bondage Mansion, I got for, like, a buck at one point. Uh, enjoyable enough, but, you know, you get the idea from the title, but that's kind of where hentai went nowadays. It got you know, predictable and cheesy and super sleazy. It, it doesn't have a plot anymore. There's no real reason to watch it unless you just want to get it to beat off the cartoons. Uh, at this point, well, stuff well, that we're there, talking about. Yeah, but, but there were there were two. There, well, there's a lot more. I still have to I still have to excavate these discs I have not seen. But they're uh, <laughs> researching for the show. Uh, <laughs> I saw. Um, uh, Love Doll, which is which is so bizarre and twisted. It's it's again one of those occultic things. Yeah. Uh, it, it begins with this this uh, these evil nuns. Hey, there we go. This is our <laughs> connection to our Italian our Italian horror show. 
these uh, these uh, satanic nuns were torturing this woman and, and her child was there and, and torturing her in sexual ways. And then the woman <laughs> dies. And then so they bring up the girl and then the girl's now a teenager and they sexualize her. I'm trying to be really clean in this show. And um, they, uh, they send her off to be with the local pope bishop and he sexualizes her. Oh, and, so like the <laughs> yeah, sort of like the side. And this this thing is called Love Doll, believe it or not. And the animation is pretty very good. It's not great, but it's 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 better than some. And so the really bizarre thing about this thing is that she's sold to this Sadian uh 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 overlord of this castle and everything and he has all these people there, these women and men and you know, so they She's made a sex sleep, but she falls in love with the nice boy next door. Who said Prince? I mean, you gotta give me a copy of this. <laughs> this thing is so bizarre and it's so graphic. It sounds so sad. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really, it's you're watching this and like, what is going on? Uh-huh. And it the the, the the graphic levels of, uh, and of course, there's the girl she went to school with who. You know, when she gets older, she's like, I really loved you, you know. So they have, like, this little interest, which is fine. But then she gets pissed off for her. So her les- her spectacled, she has glasses, a spectacled uh, lesbian lover now seduces the prince, blows him. He loses his mind. And also he can forget about the other girl. She gets sold back into the Saudi slavery. And at this point, I like, I lost my mind. I'm like, I can't keep track anymore. Uh, you know, so if that, you don't that's, to copy this. I'm gonna have to look it up. This is just too funny. <laughs> no, I have it. I have. I, have I love sod. You know, you read the journal of decadence. I, I love sod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sod. You I might think I'm even sicker than you think if you see this one. But <laughs> I love your bow. I mean, this, this is like right up that alley. <laughs> but the one that I saw, and there's there's quite a few of these out there, and I, I've I've got a few of these. This Bible Black, and I've that's. Never seen I've had it recommended yeah. to him, but I've never seen it. It's notorious. It's uh, it's actually got a story. It's it's uh, it involves uh, Satanism, occultic natures, the devil, and uh, schools, of course. You know, these are high schools. What 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 better people to um, terrorize and possess? <laughs> um, and some of the best um, later for hentai, some of the best later period animation I've been seeing for this sort of stuff is, is in this stuff. And it's so, I mean, we go from, we go from uh, normalized couplings to imaginative couplings to, oh, no, you didn't do that couplings. Yeah. <laughs> and if, and if I guess the, 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 what I'm, whatever you call me, please. please. <laughs> yes, thank you. If I say that, you know it's like, oh boy. Um, and the Bible Black series seems to keep going. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. They 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 got up to a number of, of discs, and they got to a point where they were like, oh, this is so good. Let's do highlight discs, and they did. They made two <laughs> or three discs of highlights of the fuck scenes. From like the most disturbing 
<laughs> shit they came up with. I think you're and the, I forgot what they call it. I have some of those too, but but don't blame me, folks. This is all in the name of research. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hentai, yeah. Okay, so seriously though, it's like I'm gonna be really serious a minute. So we acknowledged earlier that there's this, you know. It's, they're cartoons, and then over a period of time, the sexualized nature, and then, you know, uh, starting probably in, in the late 60s, definitely appearing in the in the mid to late 70s, and definitely in the foreground in the 80s and 90s, you know, the female characters were more breasty, and, they, you know, they would draw oh, yeah. them with, like, uh, you know, uh, visible nipple lines or whatever, and, you know, as we, they would be quick nudity, brief nudity, even some nudity, but it was comedy, it was cute. Yeah. And even in like the Devil Man things, which you just discussed, it was uh, dark, but it wasn't hentai. We didn't, they didn't go yeah. over the edge, right? So these things are like, so <laughs> you know, you got these anime animation studios. It's just like going, you know, fucking crazy. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so let's we have, you know, it's like, okay, we, we had a, we had a pornography, a really good, actually, adult film show a couple, uh, a month or two ago. Yeah. It was actually a really good show. And so we barely touched upon some of the darker, uh, more lower budgeted adult Yeah, films, we didn't get know. to the Avon films and such. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to the Avon films. Maybe we will. We might do a follow-up. We'll see. But. Um, we did mention Spinelli. <laughs> we did mention Spinelli. And I mentioned, uh, what's his name there? Uh, who's the guy that sticks everybody's head in the toilet? Uh, uh, Army Pichard. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But Spinelli's different. Spinelli was a filmmaker. Um, yeah, but exactly. no, what, what I, the point I was trying to make, though, was that, um, so like the darker of the live-action U.S. porn, the darker ethos, you know, uh, Resurfaced in this like really dark, oh yeah, Japanese porn animation, which which but they had stories of science fiction oriented, yeah, see, horror. Nowadays, there's entire there's entire sections when you go to a store like an Fye or something. There's an entire yeah. section of Japanese hentai. It's mind boggling because number one, back when they had stuff like you know, uh, you know, things I'm about to mention like you know, uh, Demon Beast Invasion, Twin Dolls or Twin Angels, depending on which label you're at, uh, Lady Blue, La Blue Girl, Earth Soki Doji, Mystery of the Necronomicon, Adventure Kid. I mean, these kind of things were all but verboten, and you could not find if you were found one or two, you were lucky. Uh, yeah. And they're probably edited, and you know maybe they were dubbed instead of subtitled, or you know whatever. There's something wrong. They made the movie. Even now, I think you can get the much easier and get the movie of Earth so the Doji rather than the perfect collection, which is the actual OVAs that were uncut. Uh, mm-hmm. You know this kind of stuff was difficult to get, and now you get these huge ass sections, and they, they sometimes eclipse the mainstream anime sections. And yet, the stuff that's being put out, I mean, I don't know about from the things you're talking about because they just sound crazy, but, you know, for the most part, it's like crap. I mean, I saw stuff like phobia. I'm like, this just blows. What's the point of this? Why does this even exist? And it's a cheap cash in. Whereas something like Angel of Darkness, they put thought into, and it's got atmosphere, and it's got a liberal yeah. class. I mean, it works as an anime. It just happens to have medical porn in it. Uh I always defended uh, Age of Darkness to anybody that would listen because it was, and still is, one of my favorite anime series. I even like the live-action movies they made out of them, uh, well, but not the same yeah, level. 
I mean, yeah, you know, like, all right. So I, I, I don't think I would ever want to see a live action love doll, but um, one of the ones I just mentioned. But Bible Black might be curious. Uh, um, if handled well correctly, it doesn't even actually have to be graphic. I mean, yeah, I mean, probably... well, I've talked about the, the live action La Blue Girls, which okay, the La Blue Girls kind of silly anyway, uh, and in particular the live action yeah, Angel of Darkness. They're pretty good. I mean, but they're not as sleazy as you think because they're not X-rated. They're basically, if you're best, R-rated. You know, they're suggestive. They're not disgusting. You know, not, they don't go over the line. To Whereas, yeah, go ahead. You know, Wandering has the, the you know the uh, very popular tentacle monster stuff going on there, and yeah. it it has begat tentacle monster porn. Yeah, and, and of course, Angel of Darkness is one of those, but it was the best one. The thing with Angel of yeah. Darkness, as opposed to Arsoki Doji, is that you lose a lot of the... Number one, all the swearing is gone. That was in the dubs and whatever else. But number two, you lose a lot of the really dark stuff that's in it, and yet it becomes more gothically dark. I mean, if you know what I'm oh. talking about. It's more yeah. uh, sinister and atmospheric and black metalish as opposed to being in your face and sexualized and, uh, you know, um, obviously occultic. You know, it's, it's more subtle, and therefore it's much superior in my eyes. But, Orisoki uh, Doji, the original batch, I don't think it was like maybe five OVAs, were really, really good. I got the perfect collection at one point off somebody, thank God, because uh, they're going for crazy money for some reason. I got it for a decent price. Uh, and I sat there and enjoyed the shit out of it once again. And actually more so than I did originally. Because originally I was like, okay, well, it's kind of sleazy, whatever. Try no, to, no, no, they're, they're, fun. They're, yeah, they're fun. Yeah. They're, they're actually but... really good if you can avoid some of or deal with, you know, the obvious things like the rapes. and the. There's a lot of stuff going on there that's complicated and yet somewhat distasteful. And unfortunately, mm. as you get later into the series, which is not part of those first five, and I would still like to see them on DVD as another perfect collection, but uh, I don't know if they ever came that way. Uh, you get into stranger stuff, like there's something with a village full of kids, and uh, of course they're all fucked up perverted kids that want to kill people. There is a notorious, notorious thing that I don't even know if we should mention, but uh, involving World War II and uh, a machine that's just like, really? I, I can't believe they made this thing. Uh, and nobody can believe yeah. it for all these years. Um and yeah, it's just like a minor plot point, if you will. You know, they use it to charge up the occultic powers, they raise whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. hitting this demon against that demon. And, oh, wait, no, that's not the real Chojin. Here comes the real one. He's going to destroy you all. And, wait, he's going to be the savior. No, he's going to eat everybody. And that, that's the way this runs. It's really kind of fucked up. Uh, and yet, it's fascinating. But those first five, they, they came out in the perfect collection. If you want to call Earth Soki Doji safe at all, that's the ones to go for. Don't go any further. <laughs> Go any further, yeah, yeah. Right. and certainly, certainly, the, those people with X Hamster and uh, Porno Hub uh, accounts <laughs> don't 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 check out the tentacle sex stuff. It's 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 actually live versions of uh, of Yuretsukochi, and it's it's I mean it's they're rubbery monster tentacle things, and it they definitely have a science fiction bent, and they definitely have a horror. Thing you know, for those people seeking horror, sci-fi, and extreme values, but there's absolutely zero, uh, shall we say, titillation. No, it's sick. Oh, the cartoons yeah. were sick. 
Oh, that's where you would go for the same thing I was mentioning about the Love Blue Girl and the, the Angel of Darkness live actions. They're they're cheesy. They're playing in the same territory, but if you're not there for the atmosphere, if you really wanted to see like Pentacles trying to do something to somebody, they kind of cut short. You know, they're kind of like just waving around, and the girl's like half naked or whatever. Like, who cares? You're done. As you know, opposed to later yeah. later episodes, yes, though. Right. Um, but, you know, there was other ones, like I said, like the Twin Dolls, Twin Angels thing, which was sort of leading into the little Blue Girl territory. It wasn't quite there. Uh, Demon Beast Invasion, you know, Lady Blue. And some of these were actually decent. Actually, another one I really liked was Mystery of the Necronomicon. Uh, oh, yeah. I like that, too. I like that, too. Yes. They were up at this lodge, a snowy lodge, and it kind of goes into Kandaichi territory, those who know the, the Kandaichi series. Uh, this mystery sort of thing going on, and yet it's an occultic thing. You know, there's uh, people getting murdered, and there's, like, uh, basically the Necronomicon. There's this grimoire floating around, and uh, it really kind of gets crazy. And to the extent that I've ever seen anything along the lines of like a Bible Black, it, it it's in that territory, but not that crazy. Um, I really enjoyed this one. It's again fantastic atmosphere. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, but, you know I, I'm into atmosphere, I'm into aesthetics. So, oh yeah, no, I am too. I'm into atmosphere, and I'm into uh... <laughs> I'm into atmosphere. But I mean, some of the titles <laughs> of these things are like Stepmother Sin. Oh, that's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Night shift nurses. You you could imagine, and these are cartoons or animation. Um, oh, Adventure Kid. That's another one that was halfway decent. Um, oh yeah, I, I I enjoyed that one because I actually yeah. didn't go to dark places. Yeah. Right, um, and, or if it's dark, it's dark in the mystical aesthetic sense, as opposed to being like, oh my god, what the fuck are they seeing? Can I wash my brain out with soap? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Sounds like did, did we coin that, or or, or 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 was that somewhere else? Or you know, Well, I coined it myself, but who knows? Maybe somewhere else. I have no, idea. <laughs> no, no. Something I was about to say, like, can you unsee something? You know, it's like when you see it. Yeah, you know, it's like oh. Uh, I am curious for sure to see that one you mentioned before, not the Bottle of Black, you know, that's amusing from the sound. Oh, Love Doll. But the one, Love Doll, yeah, I would like to see that for sure. That, that seriously. Well, I, I am not to blame if, 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 yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> off here. <laughs> uh, so then we go out of the hentai thing, unless you have more to say about that particular area. Uh, and... There was a lot of crime uh, sort of things. I mean, basically that like cop and robber kind of things. But yet they involved TNA, and they're a little bit more mainstream and a lot of comedy. Uh, Kenichi Sonoda was big on this stuff. Uh, he was the guy that originally got famous for doing Golf Force, which is a terrible, terrible all-girl. Um, they're kind of on a spaceship, so I guess you could say space opera, but it just was boring. It didn't go anywhere. Uh, and yet, then he goes and does this thing called Riding Bean, which was okay. You know, the guy was basically uh, a driver for, you know, getaway cars and shit like that. He involved in all these uh, drug deals. And you, you basically hired him to do his driving skills and get away from the cops. Uh, and there was an incidental character in that who became the lead in the next thing, which was fantastic. And it's one of my wife's favorites, actually, Gunsmith Cats. Uh, I like that one a lot. There's a lot of he he tried to go for realism. He was fascinated with Chicago uh, car models. He was big on the Shelby Cobra. Uh, he was big on gun models. He was very he very he's like a big authentic uh, not like real guns because they can't have them in Japan, but replicas uh, of all like actual gun uh, makes some models. And he knows the barrel size. He's really deep into this shit. But it's a, just an entertaining you know cop film sort of thing with a bit of sleaze because. 
uh, the one girl, Minnie Mae, is apparently an ex-prostitute who got involved with this whole cop thing, and she likes explosives. Uh, so again, you're kind of pushing into dirty pair territory, but you know, set in a more real-world environment. Uh, similar to that is Burn Up and Burn Up W. Uh, they kept doing Burn Up shows, but the original two were pretty good. Uh, I really the first one was involving like uh, white slavery, more or less, you know, human trafficking. And then the later ones, they had one where they invaded the police station itself. And hell, these guys had these crazy demands, like we want the the Yomiuri Tigers to apologize for not winning ever and shit like that. And we got to have this girl go and show us her panties or something from the hanging from a uh, from a helicopter on the ladder and all crap. It's ridiculous, uh, sort of real world, but sort of you know just comedy basically. Uh, I enjoyed both of those. Uh, You're Under Arrest is another one. A little more heartwarming and uh, relationship-based, but same idea. They're all motorcycle cops. they got this one guy who doesn't know how to pick up the one girl he's into, and uh, the one is like, kind of saucy, and that was a little more stiff. Again, playing in this dirty pair of Gunsmith Cats sort of motif. Uh, Go-Go 13 is infamous. I enjoyed the first one. Oh, yeah. I, I really did enjoy the first one. The second one, Queen Bee, just sucked, but... Uh, again, they made a live action of this with uh, Sonny Chiba. It works. It's a good Sonny film. Yeah. Uh, I like Sonny Chiba films anyway, but it's one of his, uh, I hate to say better ones, but it is. Uh, uh, and, I wouldn't say it's a good film. It's a, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Girl 13. I mean, it's enough. You remember that comedy one he did? That one was horrible. Was it The Assassin? Oh, boy. But uh, yeah, yeah. Girl 13 was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, Mad Bull 34, this is infamous, and yet I really enjoyed it. Uh, basically, it's infamous because this guy's a cop, and not only does he break all the rules, uh, and of course he takes a guy under his wing, the new cop that comes in on the fourth, uh, but he is the most crooked freaking cop you can imagine. He's like screwing hookers and taking bribes and selling drugs that he gets and confiscates and all kinds of stuff. But it's like a live, or like an animated canon film. And I'm a huge fan of canon films from the 80s. You know, <laughs> but like Charlie Bronson, Chuck Norris, and I don't know, make it even sleazier. You know, throw some kind of, make one like those ninja films that they had back then. And you would have something very similar to Mad Bull. So it's infamous, but it's loads of fun. You know, the guys out there, you'll probably love it, especially if you love canon. Um, in terms of the 60s, you know, you had mentioned coming up with a lot of that stuff, like Lensman and all that. I actually only have one 60s anime, which is Speed Racer. I remember seeing that on UHF 50 back in the day. With It was before Uncle Floyd, and I think the Mighty Hercules might have followed it. <laughs> uh, so even though it's horribly dubbed and cheesy and ridiculous, the Peter Fernandez group did it. Uh, not one of their finest moments. But it's still fun. You know, Racer X, I mean, that, that guy, his older brother there, was such a popular character that they formed a fantastic metal band out of that. Uh, Paul Gilbert and um, uh, Scott Travis, who later went to Judas Priest. And, you know, uh, I, I interviewed Peter Fernandez years ago. Did you? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. At length, too. It was really interesting because uh, here I am interviewing about Speed Racer and all these things, and uh, I had no idea he worked on the, uh, 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 Eurostop, including dubbing like uh, Costa Gravis film. Yes. I was like, wow. You know, I was just really blown away by that. Yeah, usually Euro stuff tends to be Nick Alexander's group, but Pierre Fernandez did do some. That's correct. Um yeah. 
So the 70s stuff I got, so I know it got you mind, like I mentioned before, Battle of the Planets. Uh, one that I really like a lot is Lupin the Third. Uh, there are many iterations of this. There's like the original Green Jacket one that Hayao uh, Miyazaki did uh, or was involved with at some point. Uh, those are good. But I really like the 70s ones with the disco soundtrack. I actually have those soundtracks. Uh, the third. Uh, it's loads of fun. Basically, the guy is a gentleman thief, if you will. He's supposed to be descended from the original Arsene Lupin, who, uh, if you recognize those novels from the turn of the century, uh, was an actual like gentleman thief. Uh, but this guy, his issue is that he's kind of a sleazy guy, you know, like a lot of these Japanese stars are in these uh, animes. And he falls for this girl, Fujiko, who's a bad girl, and basically flirts with him and tries to potentially can give him her away until you know she steals whatever he just stole and gets away with it and leaves. And, of course, he's left holding the, in the lurch, holding the bag. Uh, happens every time. Apparently, a lot of women in Japan wanted to be Fujiko, which says a lot. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like those at all. I, really? I, I heard so much about them. I, I always read like so much about them. Zanagata. It's one of my favorite series, actually. Uh, no, when I what did you like about them? I couldn't stand them. When now, I finally got. Are you got watching my... the OVAs? Or the early green jacket ones, as opposed to the red jacket, you know, the ones that uh, I think mean, Funimation or something like that put them out. Because there's a big difference. Oh, they, they, no, they were not English dubs. No, no oh, English okay. dubs. That may be the difference. Um, you should really check out those dubs that they put out a couple of years back. They were actually showing them on, I think, Comedy Central or something. I forget where it was. Uh, but we were watching them on TV. I love them uh, in this case because they're kind of jokey. It's like, have you ever seen the Ultra 7? And if you see the original subtitled version, it's just kind of like a straightforward, you know, ultra yeah, yeah. nothing special. About yeah, it. yeah. But there was right. a Canadian group that dubbed it for TBS, and it was fucking hilarious. And there's people out there that are purists, like, oh, if, if you want that, then you're an idiot. Order no, that was funny as hell. That's the version I want and love. Yeah, uh, it's and just this is the same thing. Like, this yeah, is like a jokey dub that really works. So, but go ahead. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you see this version, maybe you'll hate it, but I love it. My wife loves it. It's, it's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, a lot of humor, a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, I guess if you had watched it straight, quote-unquote, like, you know, these OVAs, a lot of them are just, you know, Japanese dub, whatever, and they don't work. They're just kind of like, eh, they're boring. It doesn't work with the TV series did. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's all in the dub. I really don't Possibly. know. Yeah. Um, and then there was a another one that's even more of a favorite of ours, uh, which is kind of it, it was really from the eighties or the early eighties, but it's very Lupin esque. Uh Cat's Eye, which again was a huge thing over in Japan. Every girl wanted to be a member of Cat's Eye. Uh they were basically three gentlewoman thieves uh that were going around, at least in the first season, stealing all this artwork that was supposedly their father had done it, and they were like pieces to a puzzle, like where he actually was, or if he was dead, or all this crap. And then they dropped it in the second season, and the second season doesn't work very well. But that's the idea that was behind it originally. And they go around in leotards, and there was a great soundtrack by a girl called Henri. Uh, really iconic stuff for Japan. You know, There are generations of girls that wanted to be them, just like they wanted to be Fujiko. Uh, and it's really fun stuff. I totally recommend it if anybody's into this sort of thing. Um, then you have people like Rumiko Takahashi. Now, people remember her mostly for Ranma, 
I Do you got a lot more of these? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to wipe through them. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Ranma, but people love it. Uh, my wife's a big fan of Nabiki. He's a uh, scheming little sister. Uh, but my favorite is actually Yorosai Yasura, uh, where basically this guy, once again, is a pervert, living at home with his folks. He's like a loser. The folks are kind of losers themselves. They blame him for all their problems. And he ends up basically, just because he's a, a skirt-chasing pervert, um, taking down an alien who's trying to invade Earth. And because of the way he does it, she's, okay, well, now you've got to marry me. And he ends up in this whole long thing where he is supposed to marry this alien girl who is totally friggin' hot. Uh, and yet she can throw lightning bolts and zap him because she's like an Oni from space. Uh, and, of course, he doesn't want to do it. He's chasing after these other boring girls from Japan or whatever the hell throughout the whole series. And that's the whole tension of it. It's ridiculous. It's repetitive. It's a television series from the 70s. But it's funny. And if you're into this kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, Akira Toriyama is basically he did shit like Doctor Slump, which was some kind of thing about basically a guy that's a doctor, and and slump means like you know taking a shit basically. So that's the kind of level of humor you're talking about. And you had mentioned Dragon Ball before; that's what he's really known for. He carried that over into the original Dragon Ball, and then it became Dragon Ball Z became what was really now the boys manga, uh, with everything's a goddamn fight. Every fight is tougher than the last one by 10 times. They've got to level up. They've got to charge up. There's all this constipated uh, grunting all the time. It's actually kind of hard to watch in points, but there are moments that really work. There was a great uh, redub, not the original one, but uh, of the contest they did where Goku was dead and they had Mr. Satan and all that. And it was basically a a contest that they held and everybody was kind of cheering on. A lot of comedy involved with that, so I enjoyed that part. But boys manga just they're all like this. I mean, if you kinda like this kind of stuff, uh probably the better ones would be uh Bleach or Roroni Kenshin. They're they're both have entertainment value in them. But most boys manga are just like hard to watch unless you're like five years old. Um then they're the harem mangas or the harem animes. I don't know if you see any of those. Uh, probably the first one was Tenchi Moyo. That was a big thing. The guy discovers he's like the chosen one or the hell, and he's got a space bride, and he's got this space pirate who I always liked, Ryoko. Uh, there are, you know, just one after the other, he gets all these women involved in his life. He's got like a little girl type. He's got an older woman. You go through all the archetypes of, you know, what, what could possibly be? Who could I screw? And it just goes on and on and on and on. It's a fun little series. It's a little dated at this point, but it spawned a whole bunch of others like Love Hina, which we used to love, uh, Fruits Basket, which is kind of a reverse gender one where they've got the one girl and a whole bunch of guys. Um, you know, Oh My Goddess is the same thing. Uh, Nagima, which is kind of like a weird, shitty version that involves it basically it's a knockoff of Harry Potter, but they made him like a little boy. And all these girls in this school, there's like 20 or 30 girls in this school. They're all hot, but it's like eight-year-old boys over a professor. It's totally screwed up. Uh, and it's from the same guy that did Lovina. Um, you know, Sailor Moon, of course. Everybody knows and loves that. I had mentioned that earlier. There's a live-action one called Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, there are knockoffs of Sailor Moon, like Wedding Peach and Magic Knight's Ray Earth, which, again, is a clamp. 
uh, Clamp was an all-female uh, anime troupe that made a lot of strange stuff for, for a certain period. I mentioned Tokyo Babylon and X before. Um, there are crazy comedies like Dragon Half. Uh, there are actually mecha slash TNA fan service comedies uh, like all-purpose cultural cat girl Nuku Nuku, which I remember liking a lot at one point, but it's just kind of strange looking back at this point. Uh, I mentioned the Project Echoes before. I like that for sure. That was really strange for these uh, two girls that were like totally hot for this, like, I don't know, she's like a five-year-old annoying girl. Made no sense. And they actually have like mecha battles over and everything else. Dominion Tank Police and New Dominion Tank Police with uh, Annie and Uni Puma. Those are ones ones they used to show back on um, uh, Sci-Fi back in the day. Uh, there are ones about bands, like you know, being in a band or whatever, like Black Heaven, which is where I discovered that the Japanese really love Michael Shanker, and it has a score by John Sykes from White Snake and Thin Lizzy. Uh, but it's a strange one. Uh, Kaikan Phrase is probably the best one of those. It's got a great J-Rock glam soundtrack by a band called Ayusifer that I think they made up just for the show. Uh, Chance Pop Session, if you're rolling to the pop end of that kind of stuff. There's Mysteries, like I mentioned Kandaichi before. Uh, the Case Closed thing with uh, Inspector Conan. There are girls' relationship things, like I mentioned the live action on Boys Over Flowers before. His and Her Circumstances, Marmalade Boy. Uh, even to some extent, El Hazard where they go to this alternate uh, universe or whatever, fight bugs and shit. Um, and in terms of modern series that actually do work, since we're talking mostly of the more classic end, uh, I used that stuff really works. Uh, I really was a huge fan of the Nana series, which not only was an anime, but it was a good live-action movie. The second one's dicey. You can avoid that one. Uh, and it spawned several musical careers. Uh, D&D's uh, Olivia Lufkin. Everyone remembers D&D, the, uh, the band from J-pop back in the early 90s. Uh, Yuna Ito, Mika Nakashima, a guy called Hide. Uh, really good sort of punkified uh, music going on there. Uh, and it's basically about these people kind of making their living and meaning in life through punk rock. Uh, Paradise Kiss, uh, which is the same idea but involving the fashion world. Uh, that's also one of hers. Death Note is definitely watchable. Genshiken, which is very meta. It's about a bunch of otaku. Uh, Ghost Hunt, to some extent. Notimate Cantabile, which is... And we also had a decent live action, and that's more about the classical music world. Uh, Kimi Wapeto, which I loved as the uh, manga and live action. Uh, over here, I think it came over as Tramps Like Us or some shit. I don't know. They don't right, want wait, to hold on, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, we're about to go off air because our show is running over again. So uh, anybody who's listening live, uh, please come back and you'll be able to listen to the whole thing in its entirety. I'll pick up from where you left off. Yeah, that's kind of what I was rushing through here to try to kill it off. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm pretty close. Uh, you know, Skippy, you know, my wife loves that one. It has to do with this revenge motif set in the uh, film world, film and television. Uh, Wallflower, to some extent, which is about a goth girl that uh, basically her aunt is rich and dumps her with a bunch of pretty boys and tries to get them to socialize her as it, as it were. Uh, and, of course, she ends up changing them as well. You know, these are all pretty entertaining for modern series. Are they on the same level as some of the early ones we mentioned? Not really. You know, we're not talking a Sailor Moon. We're not talking even something, you know, some off-kilter like an Arsoki Doji or something. They're not on the same level by any means. But are they entertaining? Yeah, sure. Uh, unfortunately, we have a lot, a lot more of stuff that was just kind of, I, I call it descent, the fan service and crap. 
and that's kind of where anime really went. I mean, everything from stuff like, you know, Serial Experiments Lane or uh, Ghost in the Shell, which is supposed to be, oh, yes, this is so great, this is so cyberpunk, and it's just meaningless, boring crap, uh, to shit like Please Teacher or Midori Days, where the guy's, the guy's literally got a hand puppet that comes to life and falls in love with him, and it's his right hand. So, you know, you know what it's all about. It's about jerking off. Uh, Chobits, which, you know, we used to like, but, whew. Uh, you know, the guy's got like a, a doll, a blow-up doll, more or less, that comes to life. Uh, you know, Najika, Blitz Tactics, and Noir, which are supposed to be crime things, but there's a lot more sex in them. Uh, Ultramaniac, that was kind of terrible. Azamanga Dayo, this is weird moe, they call it. It's this sort of semi-lesbian stuff, kind of like Eiko, where they're all young girls, and they, they got like the hots for the youngest one. It's just, it's really strange. You know, like, my wife thinks it's hilarious, at least the mangas, but I'm just like, I don't understand this. I don't understand why it exists. I don't understand why anybody would buy this. Um, and somebody had recommended it highly to me. Oh, yeah, you guys see High School of the Dead. He was a big anime fan, right? And we got this thing, this OVA called Drifters of the Dead. It was all of 15 freaking minutes, and all it was was fan service. I'm like, this is crap. Um and another thing that everybody really likes that I just don't understand is Hayao Miyazaki. He's the guy that did Kim of the White Lion, Spirit Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, all kinds of stuff like that. But the early Lupin. We saw Princess Mononoke when it had that limited theatrical run, and I enjoyed that one. But for the most part, he's very Disney. And for me, Disney is just... Uh, it, it doesn't work, and it's certainly not anime. Uh, there are some people that consider it the pinnacle of animation, and therefore Mizuaki is like the greatest anime guy ever in history. But for me, nah, it just doesn't work. Uh, so is there anything you wanted to get to or say? No, no, I I think I'm done tonight, yeah. Yeah, I figured that. That's why I was kind of trying to get through the rest of it quick. Um, so yeah, I mean, in some, uh, I am Still a huge fan of anime. I still go back and rewatch all this stuff. All the stuff I mentioned is in my collection. Most of it, thankfully, on DVD. A couple of them are still relegated to VHS, unfortunately. Um, and a few of them are relegated to fan subs uh, for the same reason. There are live actions uh, uh, that became sort of soap operas based on animes that we enjoy a lot. I mentioned a few of them, but there are more. Uh, but... Nowadays, anime has really become. It, it's almost like when you hit a certain age. I used to knock people when we were obviously when you're younger. And you're like, hey, you know, these guys are still living like it's 1946 and Frank Sinatra's still like the hottest thing on the hip parade. And yet, you get to a point in your life where you're like, yeah, but most of the newer stuff kind of blows. And it's like a bad knockoff of what we used to really enjoy. And I don't know if that's just a psychological thing that everybody goes through and bears with them, or if it's true and just things keep getting simplified and dumbed down uh, because it really feels that way. It feels like a lot of the stuff that's out there, not everything, we still find things we enjoy. I mean, I, for instance, television, we don't watch any freaking television. But what I really enjoyed was the Constantine series. I thought that was excellent. And I am dying for that, number one, to come back, but number two, at least to get a Blu-ray of what was out already. Uh, I was very happy to see him on Arrow the other week, even if it was dumbed down a bit. Uh, they did slip a few things in there that were of interest. Let's say, put it that way for those who know what I'm talking about, uh, moving towards light fans. Um, but 
you know, most of the stuff nowadays is questionable. It's it's like we've copied from a copy from a copy from a copy. And those of you who have know the old days of Xerox, as you do that, each time you degrade a little bit more, you lose a little bit more. It's like comparing pop music now to the Carpenters. Yeah, I thought the Carpenters sucked ass for all my life until I heard them again recently in my cafeteria on the job. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is really complex shit. They're doing some good stuff here, not only musically in terms of construction, but in terms of production. I'm listening to all these layers and all, you know, everything that he was doing, Richard Carpenter. I'm like, holy shit! You know, I don't, I still don't like the music, but it's like, wow. And you compare that to like fucking Taylor Swift. You know, there is no comparison, and I feel that's kind of the same with everything across the board. Most of the stuff that's out there, even though yeah, we can do more, quote unquote, with CG. I'd rather sit there and watch, you know, 1978's Doctor Strange than I would go see the new Avengers movie. It's like, yeah, it's entertaining. I enjoy it. I might even rave about it when I first see it. But it's not the same. Uh, you know, people, I, I listen to a podcast, and the guy's talking about, like, quote, crap movies. Uh, and he was making a comment the other day about the difference between modern movies and older movies. Like, well, yeah, nowadays the fight sequences, you got a lot more wire work and bullet time and they got CG going on and whatever, but I would rather sit there and watch a canon film. Okay. Yeah. The action might be bad. The misogyny or whatever might be apparent, the acting, you know, whatever it is, the fighting might be bad. Uh, the, or a little slower, you know, there's not as much of whatever dynamics. It's not as speedy. It's not as, you know, shaky cam and all this kind of crap. But nonetheless, there's something more real about it, something more appealing. There's something more gorilla and human about it that really resonates and stands up. You can watch it 30 years later. And yeah, you might knock it, but you're kind of knocking it begrudgingly. Like, okay, yeah, oh, it wasn't that funny, but yeah, I kind of enjoy that. Whereas you see something from like two weeks ago and you're like, why did I watch that? That's just kind of blue. There's really nothing to it. It's just a formula that they're tapping into and repeating over and over and over again because they know it sells. It just doesn't fucking work. And that's where anime has gone, among other things, among many things. Uh, I don't get the same charge out of the new stuff. I still go back and watch the old stuff and stuff that I had even previously rejected. Like, for example, Ortsoki Doji. I go back and watch them. Or, or Odin is another one. I'm like, wow, okay, that wasn't really so bad. I, I kind of like that. Whereas I'll watch something new, like, you know, I don't know, uh, Ghost Hunt or something, and I'll be like, eh, it just didn't work at all. Or, yeah, well, it wasn't bad, but I'm not really that excited. You know, who cares? Move on to the next one. Um, that's really the difference. And I don't know how much of that is, you know, quote, a nostalgia trip, because I'm not really associating with it. Oh, yes, my life was so much better when this was on air, like they always say. No, no, that's not the case. The case is that things were better made back then, and now they kind of suck. So that's just, that's just how I'm seeing things. Uh, and that's why we kind of devoted more time to classic animes than the new stuff. I did mention some new ones that we enjoyed, but uh, again, new being a relative concept. So, anything you want to say? Yeah, no, no, no. it's a good show. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Yeah, and we almost killed it on time. We're only eight minutes over. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, we will see you next week when we discuss. When is next week's show? Here, here I'm not prepared. Uh, let's see. Next week's show is... Is it Bordeaux already? 
Yes, it is. Uh, next week, we discuss the life filmography and scene career of one of the world's great beauties, the incomparable Brigitte Bardot. Uh, kicking off her filmography at the tender age of 17, the woman who would become international sex symbol and model for Marianne, the symbol of France, would embark on a career accomplishing more than 40 films in nearly 20 years, including work for such highly regarded auteurs as Louis Malle, Jean-Luc Godard, Edward Dimitric, and Jean Cocteau. With first husband and regular collaborator Roger Vadim, she starred in a film that single-handedly kicked off the sexual revolution, much to the distress of sectors and the forces of Puritanism around the world. While their relationship and Vadim's rather Saudi influence led to a tumultuous personal life and involvement with any number of co-stars and jet-setters of the era, Bordeaux would emerge as a confident and outspoken presence who would cut her career short to pursue a very public role in animal activism. And yet the lady is best known for and truly excels in the role of comedienne, of which she has left us several enjoyable celluloid examples. Did we mention our sideline as pop singer and regular collaboration with the legendary Serge Gainsbourg? So join us as we delve into the life and careers of the legendary Madame Bebe next week, dear Brigitte. So, uh, unless you have anything else to say? Yeah, no, no, please tune in to uh, next week's show. It'll be fun. Yes, we will go to the close. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed our show on anime and hentai. Next week, we talk Brigitte Bordeaux. Do have to contact us here or your comments, suggestions, or your filmmaker, musician, or join us on air. Drop us a line on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash weird scenes one, or our WordPress, wordpress.com forward slash, or sorry, wordpress.com dot weird scenes one. Weird scenes on the gold mine, brought to you by the Big Papa Online Network. Baseball caps, myths, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. 
FedEx delivery. Game Day Spirit. What we deliver by delivering.